Hello there, and welcome to this very special season-ending edition of the Rink Moose Podcast, a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL (coughs) and its impact on the fantasy hockey universe. This is episode 40. We will be reviewing the end of the season, obviously the Stanley Cup final just wrapping up as well as a moment Kyle's been waiting for for the past 12 months, and that's the 2019 NHL entry draft. Kyle, explain your emotions right now. I'm just so excited for Friday, Nick. (laughs) It's like I've I've almost checked out of the playoffs for a while now, and uh, I'm just ready to get these young kids on the the stage. That's all I'm I'm waiting for. Find out who the next pizza man's going to be. Friday's huge, and, and Friday will be a high-octane draft. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some movement because just the nature of it, the guys from 4 to like 12 are all interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So some guys will be – people will be moving around. I know we always say that. People always say there's going to be movement. 3 to 12. 3 to 12. Well, sure, sure. That picks some play. I think, that picks some play. Yeah, yeah. I just – yeah, there, there's going to be some stuff going on. But uh, we're, we're really fired yeah, up Friday. Yeah, I, I believe uh, Pierre said just a few days ago, the next five to seven days are going to be a whirlwind mm. of, of, of deals and shenanigans mm. that the fans are just going to get excited about. So yeah. um, should be good stuff. Um, but without further ado, I think we start with just what the hell happened in this past two weeks with this, the final round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Stanley Cup final between the Boston Bruins... Oh. And the St. Louis Blues. Mm. It's been a while since we last had an episode because it's, it's been a long series, two and a half weeks, I believe. Not to mention this, this whole country of ours has been swept up with the, with the basketball as I, as I stare at these two mooks wearing, <laughs> wearing, their, wearing their Golden State Warrior Stay Golden t-shirts. What is this baloney? Well, I'll have you guys know <laughs> that Nick, on game four... Nick and I and some friends were watching the game at a at a friend's place. Five, a whole yes, five, five. And Nick did not want the Raptors to win. He was cheering with all his might secretly but, <laughs> for the Raptors to fail. But to my emotion, but my emotions weren't showing that. No, he was. He I played was, it really well. Was it a good sell job? Really good sell. Like none of my throwing friends the hat could around tell. the house. Yeah, none of my friends could tell. They thought you were really upset. They're like, oh, I hope he's okay. But you know what? I knew from the very beginning that that you didn't want this team to win so that you could go to California. Right. And that's so, exactly what you did. Yes. Yes. I, I went on a flight out to the West Coast, watched them win in game six of the NBA final, Toronto's first championship in uh, 26 years, I believe, um, since the Joe Carter home run in 93. Mm. What is that? Yeah. Six 26, years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And we, we were just watching... Uh, as Kyle got here, I recorded the whole game. I got on national television, so I'm a celebrity now, apparently. Um, so that's cool. Um, and yeah, so Raptors are, are, are victorious, but we've moved on from that. And uh, NHL final, Boston Bruins, St. Louis Blues, Game 7. I mean, where do you start? Do you even talk about the whole series, or do you just talk about Game 7? Well, let's go 6-7. and seven. I'll, I'll be honest, because... Boston was back up against the wall for six, and they showed a awesome turnout. Skill galore, 
They took over the game. It was incredible. See, I disagree. No, they, I think you I don't disagree with that. I think you need to start with game three. Oh, Critical game, right? 1-1, one, one, best of five series, and young Binnington gets the hook. He gets pulled. Oh. He gets pulled for the first time in the whole playoffs. This is a moment Kyle's been craving for. How happy were you when this happened? I loved it. I I, I was just hoping that it was because of injury or something like yeah. that, but it wasn't. Yeah. So there was that. That that was that was a that was a fiasco. Let in some weak goals for sure. Jake Allen went in, let in a goal as he course, usually does. Of course. One goal on two shots, I believe, was the stat line to end the night for young young Allen. <laughs> 500 save percentage. Oh, no. That's his whole playoff That's stat his, yeah, line. Exactly. 500 yeah, for yeah, 2019. Yeah. Um, game four was a very boring but contested matchup nonetheless. Um, that was the night. We, we had hockey that night, and I didn't want you guys to tell me the score, mm. right? And, and then I came home, and they won like one nothing, right? Mm. I don't know why. Like at the at the when we were getting food, you were all you were all shocked, like you, you like you were all happy when they won one nothing. I still don't. It was three two. It was a very low scoring game. I don't know. We're talking game four. And Dante lied to me. Dante told me Boston won. Oh, I, I and remember. then I and then I watched to see yeah. St. Louis win. So you guys were fucking with me the whole night. Yeah. But anyways, St. Louis gets their win two two, and then oh, didn't what? they go? No. Yeah, yeah, it was okay, one, yeah, one, yeah. one, one, and then they go to five. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis plays an excellent road game. Bennington bounces back. They take a three-two lead, and then it leads to six. So what happened in six, Kyle? Well, in six, I the Boston Bruins just took over. You saw skill galore. You saw a, a pace of play which I don't think they played with the entire playoffs at that point. Like they were firing on all cylinders. Everyone on the same page. The puck was bouncing around like crazy like lasers it was it was really cool to see and uh i think after that game everyone had the boston bruins as favorites for game seven you heard it on the radio i heard it on tsn they're saying how could you not have boston they've got the experience they've got uh the pedigree they've got the championship guys on the team um sorry but then uh, what we also have to take note of is Jordan Bennington after a loss, no matter how egregious, has been excellent every single rebound chance he can get. Every single next game where he's been mooked, he's always come back with a fiery flare. So what, what happened in Game 7? Well, yeah, no, I agree. It was, it was kind of two conflicting stories. It was this goalie with an amazing back bounce-back potential, always wins when he comes back. And then, of course, Boston in Game 7s at home, where their record is ridiculously good, and, and you only look as far back as the Leaf series to see just how dominant they were in that game. Mm. So these two conflicting storylines, which one's going to win out? All the pundits are picking Boston. Vegas had them heavy favorites for the match. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I was watching this game in an airport in Denver on my little, my little TV or really? my little laptop. Yeah, first period, all, that's all I watched. I watched, that's all I watched. And shots were like 8-1 Boston, 9-1 Boston. They were destroying the Blues. Bennington was the only guy keeping them in it. It was a horrible game for the, for the St. Louis Blues to open the game. And then, like nothing, your boy, my boy, Ryan O'Reilly, beautiful tip-in through the legs of, of, of Rask. And it's a one nothing lead for the Blues. And you could just tell. You could see the body language of the Bruins. They were crushed. 
like I believe Tory Krug just shot the puck into his own net after the O'Reilly goal. He was so furious. I mean, have you ever been on a team where you just outplayed the other team and then you got fucked on? You just get you know you get scored on and it's one nothing for the opposition. Of course, it's a terrible, terrible feeling, deflating. And then they come back. They're still playing great. All these more generating more scoring chances, and then this bullshit happens where where Brad Marchand's the last man back for the Bruins. Mm. He makes a stupid defensive attempt check on, on on the St. Louis forward, fails miserably. He goes off for a change, doesn't even stick with the play. This looks like something on our three-on-three team. This is, <laughs> this is brutal defense. And the oh, next next thing you shit. know. Peter Angelo, Dante's favorite player on the planet, that smart son of a gun, jumps yeah. into the play, sees what Marshawn's up to, gets a pass, and just backhand roofs it on Rask. Mm. It was beautiful, beautiful goal. And again, yeah. body language of the Bruins, in disbelief. Poor. You could tell. Shots were 12-4 to four after the first <laughs> period. Tuka Rask went 2-4, for four, had a 500 save percentage. Mm. Allen, Allen level. Allen level. Rask even said after the game, his post-game comments, I just wanted to make one of those saves for my team and I couldn't do it. I've been there. It's the most helpless, helpless feeling in the world when you're not taking shots the whole period and the yeah. next thing you know, you're down 2 nothing because you, oh. you just didn't get to warm up. You didn't get to feel the puck. Yes. So I felt for them at that point. I shut off my computer, didn't watch the rest of the game. Because you knew you couldn't finish it? No, I just were... I had to hop on a flight. Right. I was a layover. And then shortly thereafter, when I was in California, I found out that that the St. Louis Blues had hung on, and I wasn't very surprised. I mean, come on! I mean, when this their lead changes don't happen often in the series, they weren't happening often. Usually, the the first team to score would win the game, and and this team had a two zero cushion, and I I was pretty confident they'd win the game, and sure enough, they won the game. I'm just very disappointed that uh, you heard like that and get, and didn't get to see it live. Because that it robs. What am I going to do? Miss my flight? No, I, I, I'm just saying I'm disappointed in the situation because it robs you of your chance to celebrate. I like, saw the game. I saw the rest of the game. Oh, you saw the the, the last. Of yeah, it. I did. But not live. No, because you idiots <clears throat> spoiled it for me. I didn't do it. Andrew Bell. Andrew Bell. Andrew did Bell, it. guy yeah. who we haven't had on the show yet, spoiled the whole. He he texted in our group chat quote. Jake Allen is a Stanley Cup champion, <laughs> and when I and I and I read, that's how you I got. Were, I, I was mad. Oh I was mad. God. I was mad. That's I didn't. So I didn't bad. lay it out on him because he doesn't know what my situation was. But I was pretty cheesed. I I saw that message and I was just cringing. I was like, you, oh I, no! And I texted Kyle specifically before the game to say no spoilers. Yeah, this I whole because I'm traveling all day. I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> And sure enough, Andrew Bell, of all people. You know what you should have? You should have just airplane <laughs> Dante's mode. Dante's just killing himself right here. You should have went airplane mode until you saw in your own terms. Because you knew someone was going to say something to you. It's your team. I don't know. I had even turned off my alerts on TSN, the score, like uh, everything. Does this kind of Did this sully the emotion factor of the win at all? I mean, obviously it sucks because you want to see them win live. Yeah. The rest of the game is meaningless. I watched the rest of the game just to see how they shut down the Bruins. Mm-hmm. But I, I would have liked to watch it, you know, biting my f- fingernails and, and, and be the fan in me going like, oh my God, are they going to hold on here? That's what I wanted to happen. And jumping around and, and celebrating. Of course, of course. With beer in your hand. Of course. It sucks. Well, Bush, Bush beer. Yeah. Only Bush beer. Why? Anheuser-Busch. They own uh, or the, the Bush Stadium there in St. Louis. Ah, 
Um, but yeah, no, just regardless, my team won. Uh, odds were against them. I heard today if you put $400 on them to win the cup, you would have won $100,000. When? At the beginning of the year? When uh, they start, of the playoffs, start of the playoffs. Start of the playoffs. No. Start of the playoffs, 400 Bullshit. Not bullshit. That's what a great bullshit. bet. What a great bet. You should have made that bet. I wouldn't do 400 I'd do like 20 Right. And you'd win whatever. Good amount. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good amount. But you know what? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly for the Conn Smythe. Do you think... Do you think Bennington had a claim to that trophy at all? Um, I think the argument's there, right? First rookie goalie in a Stanley Cup final to win all 16 games. That stat in <clears throat> itself, I think, is is deserving of at least a mention. Mm. Uh, but again, I'm one. you know where I stand on this. I'm one of those guys who thinks this team is so incredible, so incredible defensively, so stingy. <clears throat> you don't need a good goalie on this team. You just need a goalie who's going to keep you yeah. in the game. And he was that. He was that until the Game 7. The Game 7, he made some remarkable saves oh. where you had to go above average. He showed me the most of who he is in that Game 7. Until that Game 7, he was just an average goalie on a very good team, in my mind. And, wow. that, and after that Game 7, he elevated himself to above average goalie on this very good hockey team. Mm. And he and he and he was he was the best player in game 7. But Ryan O'Reilly scored the game winner. I think if Ryan O'Reilly doesn't score that tip in goal, I think Bennington might be your MVP. Maybe. Yeah, I mean that game 7 was just incredible what he showed Bennington. Yeah. Like I was I was watching the game with some sort of invested interest in in Boston winning, not too much, but I was just like Man, oh man, this guy can't be beat right now. Absolutely can't be beat. It was like a hopeless, it was a hopeless uh, endeavor for this team. Absolutely. And then, uh, but you know what? They said something like Ryan O'Reilly scored four straight games in the finals, which hasn't been done since some sort of Hall of Famer. I forget who it was. And uh, you know what? I think he just does so many little things to help this team along. And you know what? From the very beginning, he was... He was outplaying guys like uh, like Shifley and and uh, and Bergeron and all these guys like all the guys who are the best two way guys in the league. He was like stride for he stride. He wasn't really with putting them. up points though. But he, he, was, he didn't start scoring yeah. until that San Jose series. I was watching their well, whole run. Dallas, he was silent. And how and many points did he finish off with? Like twenty three and twenty seven games, which is which is great. Twenty seven games. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 20, so wow, okay. I mean, they basically went, what, six against six, seven, six, and seven. Right. Um, what is that? Seven, 14. It's 26 games. So, that, yeah, 20, 23 and 26. So, very impressive. Um, and there, there's the photo of him with the trophy. <clears throat> That's a great photo. Right. Uh, him, and, him and Patty yeah. Moon. Uh, legends in St. Louis forever. Just that that one of them in the plane. You know what I did like about them winning was the the huge Canadian influence, and especially Saskatchewan. Like, doesn't oh, of course. it always come back, Nick, to um, to hockey players in some time in their careers always running through a little place called Saskatoon? Like, talk to any hockey legend that who ever lived, and they always go, oh, yeah, I used to play in Saskatoon, or this one time I, I was running through Saskatoon, we played these guys. Like, Saskatoon and Saskatchewan in general is just kind of just this legendary area for, for hockey players for some unknown reason to me. But I'm just happy they got 
so many guys out there like the like Braden Shen and and all those guys. And there he is talking mm. after the game, so full of emotion he couldn't even hold back the the f bombs. Mm. Uh, you saw that clip, didn't you? I did. And indeed. so so Canadian of him to go. Oh my God, I'm so I'm so sorry. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, just very good stuff. Great care. Like, hey, if I had more money for another jersey, I'd, that's the guy right there. So, um, by the way, I guess sort of throw this in here. A great segment for a, for an, a show topic would be what? Who, who would you want? Go through every team in the league and tell tell me whose jersey you want from that team. If you were to have one, right. that'd be a great yeah. show topic. I think. Yeah. For no. a later date. And going back to the Canadian thing, I think it was thirteen or fourteen players on this team are Canadian. It's fantastic. Well, yeah, but you fucking hate this team. You you think this no, team's miserable. Hate, you think I don't they're filth. This team, I don't. Hate, I just don't. The fact that you, you let like one them so you let much. one player dictate your whole attitude about this story. No, it's not just. It's a great thing. story. It's, it's a great about, story. It's about Nick's favorite team. I don't like. I just don't like them. Oh, it's a great story. I'm I mean, trying to find the positives in it. You have the like I said. I'll I'll start from the beginning. You had the hometown. Guy scoring the game winner in Game Seven against Dallas, mm-hmm. Patty Maroon, great story. Jaden Schwartz, sister passes away through cancer, wins the cup for her. Um, Thorburn, his uh, his uh, his his father passed away just a year ago, wins the cup for him. Just these remarkable story. The Lila Anderson, the 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 cancer survivor who was following the team throughout the whole playoffs. This Who's is that? great. Oh. Wait, the little wait. the little girl. Oh yeah, I didn't know. It's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, you don't get this like those Penguins teams of yours. They didn't have stories like this. Come on, man, don't do that. They didn't. <laughs> I'm telling you what. <clears throat> Every time a team wins the cup, I get emotional. Okay, when they when they're lifting the cup, I get emotional. <clears throat> Hearing Petrangelo talk in front of the cameras. Saps my emotion <laughs> right from my fucking brain, man. It sucks. The guy's just dry as a fucking bean. What are you stock. talking about? You talking about he was CBC? Dry as shit. Was this CBC? I don't know. No, I was watching the American with one Pierre. until I switched over. So was it the one with he was talking to Pierre? It, it was, was a very good interview. No, he was just like, uh, 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 what do you mean? Uh, he was out. Uh, he was like out of breath. Guy. He was out of breath. He was so full of emotion. Nick, I didn't. Come on, man. Seriously? He didn't show me any sort of care. Like, I wanted to see. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. How dare you talk like that? Here's a funny thing. He's just so dry. Here's a funny thing about, speaking of Petrangelo, when he scored the 2 nothing goal, the backhand, I heard people on the internet were joking around. When he scored, he should have done like a leap in the air like Bobby Orr. No. <laughs> and replicated the Bobby Orr jump. Oh my god. At the TD Garden. That would have been <laughs> too much. That would have been awesome. No, 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 no. You can't do that. That would have been nasty. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> but once again, yeah. and it seems like a yearly occurrence, yeah. the away team wins the cup. Yeah. Always happens. It's always one in the away building. How when's the last time? So much sweeter though, isn't it? No. Backs against the wall, fans chanting against you, no one's giving you a shot. 
I don't know, man. And, and like an underdog bulldog, you just go in there and, and fight out a win, just like the Raptors did in Golden State. There, there's too much There's too much bad stuff about it. Like the home team's sad. Uh, they paid their money. They didn't get what they wanted. And then the, the winning team has to party in, a, in an away city instead of amongst their fans. It's just kind of lame. Like you going to California. I was in fucking, I was on the streets <laughs> of Toronto, you know? I was with the people. I'm saying from a player perspective, winning on the road must be satisfying. We can't put ourselves in those no, shoes. Because then the, the, the building's There's 20,000 fans chanting against you, yes. and you get to wipe the smile off their face. No, Nick. Yes. Nick, you have a pessimistic attitude. If I'm lifting the cup, I want to see a full arena. I don't want to see the lower quarter of the fucking thing full. I want to see a full arena. You get that at the parade. Arena. You get that at the parade. I want to lift the cup and people chant my freaking name i don't want this bullshit where i'm looking at a couple schmucks who pay, who overpaid for a fucking plane ticket who, who came over to watch or they just moved to fucking wherever they're living i don't like this i like i want to see the home team win mm -hmm. i wish uh if it was st louis that they were to win at home because then they could uh mm -hmm. you know it would be better it would be much 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 better well regardless they got their parade and quite a parade it was. Uh, we were just watching clips before this episode of, of great moments. Uh, Born Byron! No, no, not that moment. We'll get to that later. But, uh, I'm going to insert that every so yeah, often, I know. by the way. Anyways, Jordan Binnington on a, on a little road bike uh, going down the, the street as everyone's chanting his name. Uh, Jake Allen on an old fire truck with his family. Shotgunning Bud Lights. Um just just awesome moments. Tarasenko signing the jersey of a young fan there, interacting with the fans. Just an amazing parade. Uh, everyone getting into it. Craig Berube getting sloshed. Oh, yeah. Um, all the alumni getting sloshed. Uh, fans, old and young. I mean, I, was, I read great articles about this team like, there, this team has been without a cup for so long. I literally read an athletic article about this guy burying his father in a Blues jersey because he That's never, he never, much. he never got to see them win a cup. This and he was, and much. he was cheering from his grave as they won the other day. That's enough. Isn't that amazing? I, I mean, it's kind of an isolated case, <laughs> but just little things like that. Little things like that I want sure. you to cheer for this team. I'm just surprised that made it out to public knowledge. No, this was a main writer. Um, wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad everyone got what they wanted. Uh, all, all the fans, including myself, got, got this, that got this win that, I'll be honest, a lot of us probably didn't even see coming. Um, you know, I was just happy to see them get into the playoffs after that atrocious start. But uh, Terrible. I was laughing at you. <laughs> I mean, there was... <laughs> There was a point mid-season where you gave up on this team, you had them gone, and and I said, you know what? A part of me thinks they could sneak into this second wild card, and I and I inserted them into my standings, and and sure enough, they did get in. They were a division team, and uh, I never lost faith with this team. You can't wow. say I did, and and even when I wavered, and I had Boston maybe having the edge, <laughs> maybe maybe having the edge, you know. <laughs> You know, I, I ended up finalizing my pick with, with St. Louis. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Now now just San Jose is the last piece of the puzzle, and then I'll be all happy. So, Don't count on it. Don't count on it, eh? 
I know I already I already paid you out for losing huh. the bet. And so. here's here's my other opinion, and I brought this up earlier. You know, I brought up the argument: why is the regular season matter? Like it, why? Like it just it's it's baloney. Sure. Yeah. This team was last place in January. Mm. So do the first three months of the season mean anything? <clears throat> you can be last and win the cup. Okay. I <sighs> was. I remember depressing. Mike Yo press conferences in November. Right. I we went from him. there wow. to this. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> Doesn't this make Mike Yo just look like a fucking oh, clown? Because <laughs> he had the cha- oh, cause he because oh. he had a championship team the whole time. But they made no trades. They made no additions. Like this was the team. And it yeah. was last place. That's <laughs> crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So his his name is sullied, but Does he go on the cup? Does his name go on the cup? Oh god no. No, no. Even though he was on the team for like, I think it's active roster at the beginning of the playoffs. I think, okay. right? That would know. make sense. I'd like to know, but I don't know. I think that's what it is. Yeah, well, he would never get on the cup. Does he get a ring? No, he does not. Okay, there's no way he does. I don't know. I was in here. fact, if he had any stride of honor, if he, even if he did get a ring, I, he wouldn't I take heard it. stuff in basketball about <laughs> how Jonas Valanciunas is going to get a ring now. Bullshit. <laughs> I heard about that. They were then talking everyone on gets overdrive. a ring. I get a ring. Yeah. You get a ring. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I need to know. I want to get these facts. How do you get a ring? Right. That's what I want to know. All right. Okay, but regardless, have we gone long enough about the Blues? Oh, way too long. Way too long. <laughs> hey, hey, it was much deserved. They deserve their time. And uh, again, congratulations to the St. Louis Blues. Overcame the odds. Stanley Cup. Did you shed a tear? Again. If, wow. if Andrew Bell doesn't spoil the game, <laughs> fuck you, Andrew. I probably shed a tear. Oh no! But I didn't. That's terrible. Yeah. I hope you're. I hope he's listening right now. I hope he is too. He's yeah. gonna regret this for the rest of his life. <laughs> you're gonna make sure. Oh that, yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Oh my god. All right. I'm now's the time. I'm gonna turn things over to our. Uh, what's it? What do they call Craig Button at TSN? The expert of amateur scouting or direct uh, director of yeah. scouting? Craig Button. Right. We're going to go to Rink Moose's version <laughs> of Craig Budden, who's been following these players in this in this 2019 entry draft for a good 12 months since the last... Right, am I right in saying that, or am I just boosting you? Uh, Not 12. Eight. Eight months. Okay. Um, I'm just going to chime in every so often. I, I'll be honest. Now, hold on. I didn't even want to make a rankings because it would just have no credibility whatsoever. I, I've just been playing Crash Course <laughs> these last two weeks, just reading all these excellent articles on The Athletic. But uh, I'm, I'm going to turn things over to Kyle. He made a big board here. His, Kyle Nice's big board. This is, like, this is like the Holy Grail, the Bible of, of mock drafts. So why don't you uh, let the fans know what's, what's coming up? <clears throat> So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go 1 to 16 because after 16, I, I stopped caring as much and it would just get a little lengthy, let's be honest. Uh, but ideally, what I'd like to do is I'd like to say my pick. Uh, what I'm going to do is give you an NHL comparable. I'm going to give you a scouting report, um, a couple little tidbits here and there if there's some relevant info or, or something that I think would be interesting to note. And then I'm going to give you the team perspective, why the team would draft this player. Um, but ideally, I'd want to go after every pick. I'd want uh, you, my friend, Nick, uh, to chime in on, on this player that I mentioned and uh, give your, your thoughts on whatever, whatever you can. 
So as as I was saying, Nick, I'm just killing time here, eh? Waiting for me to get back with my beer. All right, son of a bitch. So as I said, I'm gonna go through all the shit I just told the folks. Great, (laughs) thank you. eh? Yeah, I just brought a beer for myself. Okay, well, mine's out. He wants a sip of Youngling. Basically, Nick, this 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 draft segment of our episode is brought to you by. Young Ling Lager. Don't, don't give them that. The the oldest brewery they haven't paid in us. America. All right, go on. So basically what I was telling them, I'm going to tell them everything I'm going to tell them about the, the player, and then I'm going to have you give your two cents yeah, my on, each, on my each player. Yeah. On each player. Yeah, let's okay. do this. So starting at the top of the draft, mm. New Jersey Devils draft number one overall. I'm going to waddle up to the stage, <laughs> and I'm going to clear and concise Jack Hughes, okay. That's all you say. You just walk up and say Jack Hughes, just like when Jack Buffalo. Eichel Buffalo selects Jack Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so player comparable. Jack Hughes is a Patrick Kane, but with more emphasis on the skating rather than the hands. While not currently the best player in the draft this very moment, he has the highest ceiling. While I don't prefer my number one center on my team to be quite this small, Jack Hughes will be amongst the most creative, elusive, and tricky players in the league in the next three years. He comes from a thoroughbred family. We've seen Quinn Hughes and soon Luke Hughes. Trained by Pierre Maguire. Absolutely. As I said, Pierre Maguire taught his mother how to skate. That's his mother a load gave of shit. birth to Jack. That is Pierre a has a role to play in this family. Load of shit. Go on. But uh, essentially, this family knows how to breed hockey players. As weird as that sounds, they know exactly what to do. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit on, on how they, they came about. Jack Hughes, Mr. America, has been training in Canada since he was 13 years old. Ever since he realized he was a legitimate NHL talent, he moved over to the GTA where he went and trained at a place uh, in, in, I think, in Vaughn. And then he went and played in the GTA AAA. So, uh, with that said, the Devils will have uh, will have a really talented one-two punch at center with Heischer and Hughes. But uh, just outlook on this Devils team, I don't like the makeup of, uh, of having my two top centers pretty well small. You know, your two, your two top centers are pretty much under six feet which is kind of, I mean, he's a great player. I, and I said, highest ceiling in the draft. But this is a little concerning to me. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what are your thoughts on Hughes and the Devils taking him at, at one? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I see all, you described him pretty well. If anything, I just say he looks fragile. He just looks fragile on the ice, like he can't take a hit. He's a little boy. When he gets hit, he, he goes flying. <laughs> he's like as light <laughs> as a feather by the looks of it. He's like he's 160 got, he's pounds. He's got no muscle whatsoever. No. He's got he's got to step up. He's got to build some muscle, get in the gym, mm. take some of those protein shakes, and get yep. going. Because uh, this he's he's got great skill, amazing skater, best skater in the draft, bar none. And you know what? He's never going to be a big player. He's never going to be a stocky player. Like guys like uh, Crosby's five eleven, but he's a stocky five eleven. Mm. He can handle himself because he weighs two hundred pounds sometimes more. 
Hughes you're, will you're never be he, 200 pounds. He can't just put on 30 pounds. And then... He will never be, because he'll lose his quickness. Mm. Like, the, Hughes is Hughes because he's elusive and he's agile and he can he can disappear almost like a, like a so, mirage. So does this look like a very skilled but injury-riddled player in your mind? Is this a guy who Perhaps. you're not going to want to own in fantasy because he's getting injured every single season? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would just say he's going to play a certain way that he... Won't be great in the corners. He maybe he might he might be okay along the boards, but when playoff hockey gets tight and intense, I I just don't know what we're gonna see when when the going gets tough. Now I think he's got the skating and the hands to to accommodate for these size issues, just like Caulfield, which we'll get into later. Um, but as a playmaker, as a centerman. Um, it's just not what I want as my, especially considering he sure isn't huge. You know, it's just not what I love as my number one guy being 5'10", 165, you know. Uh, now, that being said, obviously the talent's through the roof. He could be a 100-point player. Bar none, he could be a 100-point player. So, uh, no problem with the pick there. And New Jersey's, they're, they're going to take their time here. They're not picking this guy so they can win next year or the year after that. They're picking this guy for the next 15 years. So uh, good on them. That's the number one pick. And, and why are you saying he's not the best right now? Because of the next player. I, I mean, currently. Like, if you were to place both these guys... His ceiling's the NHL, higher, but he's not as good right now. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> if, you were, if we were to talk about NHL 19 rankings, I'd say Cat, uh, Hughes is like an 83 with franchise potential and Kako's an 85 with elite potential. Okay. All right, so let's get into New York Rangers. Capo Caco, number two. NHL comparable. A prime time Rick Nash. So Rick Nash in his prime, if you remember this guy, he was a do-it-all, incredible power forward. This guy could shoot, pass, use his body to, to work his will. He had crazy hands. Try to forget about his, the latter half of his career because it wasn't very, very great. But there was, a, there was a time where Rick Nash was a top player in this league. Um, Capo Caco is currently the best player in this draft, currently. He's similar to the second coming of Rick Nash. Great body, and most importantly, knows how to use it. At the World Champs, he was out-muscling veteran NHL defenseman, a.k.a. Ryan Suter, um, in games below the goal line. With ease, might I add. Couple his power forward style with a good shot, excellent vision. He's the total package. He's going to be a lethal weapon for this Rangers team, who, by the way, has conducted a masterful rebuild since they released that statement. Uh, he's a winger, first and foremost, but I think he can transition to center if need be. He has played center at points in this year. Uh, he's a true cornerstone for this rebuild. This New York Rangers team, the center of hockey in America, the number one franchise in the USA, is going to be leaning on Capo Caco to lead this team to championships. And this guy, he's legit. Like, I, I, I didn't really fully understand until I saw the world championships and I saw he was fucking, he was one of the best players at the world championships. Like, he was better than Austin Matthews was when he played in his draft year. It's insane what he was able to do there. So I, I am excited at this. And he's going to be a star as soon as next year. He might be a, a 65-plus next year. Yeah, from what all, from everything I hear, he's NHL ready, so he's going to be able to slot right in and help a team. 
Most likely the Rangers if they don't yeah. muck this up. <clears throat> oh, there, yeah. And uh, and 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 I yeah. All I all I had to see was just these plays. He he'd straight up be on the boards, cradling the puck. A guy would be coming towards him to check. Like, Like your 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 torso is, is 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 towards the boards, but you almost back and check mm. the guy. Reverse, like, wow, yeah. What? This is like Peter Forsberg. Yeah. This could be the next Peter Forsberg, and I'm like, this is unreal. So yeah, he and I. Complete. What is he? Six four. Uh, uh maybe six three. Six but three. He's, he's a yeah. big guy. At an elite level, but he's also got the the build to, to have longevity in his career, which I can't quite say about Hughes yet. I'm not ready to say that. So uh, I like the player, but again, I see why he's not going one because he just doesn't have this remarkable <clears throat> skating ability that Hughes has. And me as a scout, I value skating as my number one, or sorry, number mm. two, right behind character uh, wow. when evaluating a talent. So character number one, character right? number one, which, Hey, Hughes, Hughes seems to lack, you know, just seems like a spoiled brat. Every time he's on he's, he's taking interviews. Hopefully he grows out of it. It's not a good look right now, but, mm. uh, but, but time will tell, you know, not a very humble kid. I'd no, say. no, just kind of full of himself. Yes. You know? So yeah, hopefully, you know, the personality grows, but, but that's how I see this kind of one, two do. Yeah. Duel. Which I don't blame him for. Cause I, I mean, Picture any of us how we would be if we had been followed since we were 14. Sure, but, but like... Uh, you know, his brother seems more mature. Sure, I guess, he like but... A year older, but he just seems better with the media, more humble. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Per, perhaps less of a spotlight, but... Yeah. Cocky kid. Yeah. Just, uh, Could, can't say that about his brother. Can't yeah. say that about his brother. Fair I don't enough. know if it's the number one... Overall getting to his head, but... Fair enough. We'll see. Yeah, fair enough. It's not like I'm evil, like I want him to tear his ACL <laughs> and, and lose his career, but like I, I just I want him to grow as a person. Mm. You know? And the New York Rangers do have the easiest sure. spot in this for entire sure. draft. We could right? draft for them. Oh, easy. If we could fly to Vancouver and replace their whole scouting staff and not screw up this pick. Exactly. <laughs> you just have to take the other guy. They're gonna run up to the stage and yell the two words. <laughs> Capo Caco. Great. So, so they're set. Yeah. Like they're they're gonna be good very 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 soon. But where you, where you headed? I'm getting you here. Okay, good. So many would uh, many would consider that the draft starts at three because this is where you know things get interesting and things start taking shape. So <clears throat> there's uh, there's been a lot of talk about this pick. But uh, the Chicago Blackhawks will select Alex Turcotte. Now, what's interesting about this is that uh, they don't necessarily need a center. They've got Taves, who actually put up a career year last year. They've also got Dylan Strome, who turned out to be a, a gem in, uh, in, in their second, second center position. So you're thinking, why would I want to draft a, a centerman? Who, who would seemingly push Strom to the wing or to the third center. Um, well, truth be told, he's probably the third best player in this draft. He's extremely complete, and he's born and raised in Chicago, which is a huge factor for them. Uh, he had an injury-plagued season, but when he did play, he was lights out. Absolutely lights out, right behind Jack Hughes. 
Uh, he's easily the most complete two-way forward of the draft. Uh, now that's highlighted by his goal differential, which was crazy when he was on the ice compared to his peers. Um, essentially, when he was on the ice, no one was scoring against him. Um, uh, he's a smart player with no real deficiencies. And uh, for an NHL comparable, I think a really solid comparable here would be a Jonathan Taves, but with slightly more skill, pure skill. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Taves in his, uh, in his prime or anything like that in terms of winning potential, but he plays like a Jonathan Taves with more skill. So, Nick, we just did Alex Turcotte at number three for Chicago. I really like this player. Uh, the second I read about his... <clears throat> He proudly right now, I would happily take this player, him and another player, the two that I specifically. Uh, I loved, I loved everything I read about how he doesn't give up on a play, um, how he has this just tenacious attitude about him, how he has an overall game, can be a number one center, uh, just checks all the boxes. I, I, I'd be more than happy to have this player on my team. Watch some interviews, seems to have good character. Um, yeah, no complaints with with Alex Turcotte. To me, it's just it's just the mind-boggling game of where does he go? You know, mm. this this is the critical part of the draft. We know Chicago; they've drafted a lot of defensemen of late. I think it was in the past two rounds, like the first two rounds in the past few years, they've drafted something like five defensemen. I don't yes. know where the hell these guys are. Are these just <laughs> awful draft picks? Because I haven't seen them come up yet. They're coming later. They, I, I hope. I sure hope so. <laughs> I sure. Hope it's not so a good too. look right now. No. Um, and, 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 and maybe they go, well, fuck it. We've screwed up to this point. So let's just take bowl and Byram, you know, and, 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 and the easy pick, right? That's very, he's a pretty easy pick because you know what you're going to get. Yeah. This guy to me has a teed bit more of a risk. Here's my question for you. Lots of similarities between this and the McDavid draft, not the draft itself, but these first three, you know, because you have two consensus franchise guys. Yeah. What are the odds of this guy turning into another pizza man, Dylan Strom? I don't see it, man. Dylan, I don't see it. I really don't. And I talked about Dylan earlier because obviously Dylan's now in Mm. Chicago. Third overall Um, pick, just like that, right? Yeah, I I just don't see it. I mean, this guy, he just just seems to have his head on straight. Like we said, the compete level's there, the character's there. He's... He's an amazing two-way guy. Like he's probably the most complete forward of of this entire draft. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, his goal differential is insane. I, I compared him to a Jonathan Taves, but with a little bit more skill, perhaps not the same defensive acumen. But this guy, to me, he's he's as close as a surefire pick as anyone not in, not named Jack Hughes and Kako in terms of reaching. Uh, at or close to their potential. So I don't see this as a pizza man situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only thing here is his injuries. He had an injury-plagued season, uh, and he didn't play too, too much, but when he did play, he was lights out. So there is that slight concern there, but uh, I don't think you have to factor that in too much when you're considering this pick. And I just love this quote. Again, this is Corey Pronman. Kyle's arch nemesis on The Athletic, who's been doing a great job leading up to this draft. Quote, it's not just his speed and skill that stand out, but his compete level is elite. Turcotte is the kind of forward who can dangle around defensemen, blow by them, or drive his way through them. 
He gets to the net consistently and without fear. He battles for pucks as hard as anyone and typically wins them, even at five foot eleven. Hmm. Just how do, how do you not want that guy? You want that guy on your team, Dante? There you go. Yeah, very very solid. Um, that being said, if Chicago does take the defenseman, then he's going to Colorado. Then Colorado's running to yeah. the stage because they need their two C. <clears throat> so let's get to Colorado. This might be a controversial pick. In fact, I think it is for most people. I've got from the Saskatoon Blades, Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc. NHL comparable, Dante? Do you know who it is? It's Ryan Getzlaff. Kirby Doc is the second coming of Christ, a.k.a. Ryan Getzlaff. So I'll give you the quick... Actually, you know what? Let, let me get in. Let me get into why first. Obviously, Byram is the best player available. He's the safest pick available at this spot. But we talked about it earlier. Colorado has one glaring need. They're they're really solid everywhere. They have one glaring need. Um, they've got defensemen out the wazoo. They've they just saw Makar turn into a a beautiful butterfly in front of their very eyes. Gerard is a crazy offensive defenseman. They still have got Barry. Connor Timmins, who everyone's forgotten about, was the MVP at the World Juniors two years ago. This guy is, is coming along. They've still got Zadorov. The defense is set. We don't need another defense. Um, if they were to grab him, sure, you turn your blue line into a franchise blue line. A, a or you dynasty trade him. Or you line. trade him. Sure, but that's kind of bad. It, it's just a bad look on the on the team. What you need most in Colorado is a 2C. Some guy behind Nathan McKinnon who can drive that second line, who can really turn your threat into a multifaceted threat. Kirby Doc, <clears throat> let me just give you a quick scouting report here. Kirby Doc may have actually the second highest ceiling in the draft <laughs> if he lives up to his full potential. His raw skills are that good. I'm really, really high on this guy. He's got a massive body, six foot four, 195 pounds, incredible hands, hands you just don't see on a big guy. His vision is very hard to find. Uh, he's a playmaker first, just like Getzlaff, but he has a sneaky good shot. If you were to use the shot more, I guarantee he'd score more goals. He had a mid-season dip in production which is why he fell out of uh, a consensus top four. That lasted about 10 games. Um, and he's criticized, obviously, for that, for not being quite mean enough. And uh, obviously, the consistency. He's got that big body again, but sometimes he doesn't use it to his advantage, which he's going to have to learn to do if he's going to reach his potential. But you know what? This guy's a rink rat, Nick. He's a hockey diehard, and he's got uh, a ceiling like crazy. So I think he's got the got the ability to, to he's a very coachable kid he's able to work for it and um just a good guy overall a couple little tidbits uh his skating will never be his strongest attribute he's a fine skater it will improve it will translate but he's never going to be scoring you know crazy goals off the rush um if colorado drafts this guy he's their legit 2c uh he'll make this team dynasty level quality mm -hmm. If he matures properly, if he turns into the 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 horse, the Getzlaff guy on the on the second line, good luck NHL, good luck, because you you're you're playing with fire now. This guy could be that good. I really enjoyed watching the clips of this player. Uh, 
to pull off the stuff he can do, the playmaking, the scoring at that size is impressive. Usually these big guys, it doesn't translate. The skill part of the game doesn't translate. Uh, these guys who can't skate extremely well, it, it just doesn't translate. But the hockey IQ, the playmaking, this is a guy who can who can man your power play, play on the point. He can also screen the goalie in front of the net. He can play anywhere on a power play, a five-tool player. Um, I just, I, I, I was a fan watching him. And, uh, you know, quotes like this from his head coach in Saskatoon only reinforce that. Quote, he's a student of the game. He's got a very high hockey IQ. His playmaking ability is second to none. There aren't many six foot four, two hundred pound, seventeen year old players who can play center the way he can. Just good things all across the board. I know I value skating a lot, and he obviously, as you mentioned, he's a slightly above average skater. Nothing more than that. Um, so that'll be the most interesting part of his development. What I'll be keeping my eye on the most. But you know, comparisons to Ryan Getzlav, I mean, they don't they don't just give those away. Those those aren't freebies. So. You ought to read into that. And uh, as an LA Kings fan, I'd be happy to have this, this guy as my third pick, mm. my third choice of, of those guys. And how do you not run up to the draft board when you see a 6'4", fucking 195 centerman who, who's got the skills like he does? It's This guy is valuable beyond belief. But again, a lot of people would be, you know, tilting their brow because it's not Bowen Byram. Well, and not just that. I mean, I'm looking at Pronman right now. He's got him as his 10th ranked skater. Yeah. 10. Again. And, that, and, that and, and mid-season... He's, he's dropping Edmonton, some people are yeah. saying. Yeah. That midseason dip makes him a polarizing figure because people are saying if he can go 10 games with two fucking points or 15 games with two points, then what the hell are we, what, what are we drafting here? But, uh, you know, who knows what, what, what that was about. Maybe a personal matter, but I'll tell you this. The beginning of the year, he was lights out. The, the latter part of the year, he was lights out. The playoffs, he played through an injury. The stats weren't quite up to par, but playing through that injury, he was lights out. So this guy has that second gear. He's got, uh, he's got the character to, to work on his game, and uh, I trust that he's, he's going to his, find his level. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Number five, and you'll be pleased with your little L.A. Kings jersey that you're wearing right now. The L.A. organization will run to the (laughs) stage and uh, pick up the gift that's been left for them. Now, perhaps they didn't want... Perhaps they didn't want a defenseman, per per se, when they went into this draft, maybe a more skilled, Mm. speedy kind of forward. But uh, they're going to take Bowen Byram as, as the gift that fell onto their lap. I, I see Byram as a Morgan Riley type, but better in his defensive zone. So he's got that potential to be a 60-plus point Drew Doughty. Yeah, a Drew Doughty type and a, a great defender. One scout said he was the best defenseman to come out of the WHL since Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah. In fact, he's, he's the first guy to score that many goals uh, in a long, long time. That might be a stretch. But uh, Byram is certainly the best defenseman of the, this draft by a mile. Um, incredibly, he led all players in points in the WHL playoffs. All players, not defensemen, players, where he got all the way to the finals. He pretty much has it all. Excellent acceleration, elusive hands, great vision, but also surprisingly good nose for the net, which is not, not uh, too common for a defenseman. He's got the ability to get shots through from the point, and pinch extremely intelligently when necessary. Like the guy had 26 goals 
He had more goals than Kirby Doc, who I just took at number right. four. He had more goals than him, and he's a defenseman. Uh, it, it's uncanny his ability to uh, to, um, to to put the puck in the net from the blue line. But uh, just as a little tidbit here. He's a chatty, confident kid. I wouldn't call him arrogant like the Hughes, uh, but he's got a pride to him that isn't quite arrogant. He knows he's going to be excellent. Uh, he has a lot of confidence in his abilities, and he probably will. Um, he's going to rest under the wing of Drew Doughty, learn a lot from him, and um, learn a lot on the ice, but hopefully not on the ice, mm. off the ice for from Drew Doughty, because I know yeah. he's a prick. No, and speaking of Drew Doughty, reports out of LA are that, is, is that he's influencing this move. He, he, he's <clears throat> making them choose Bowen Byram. Really? He's calling the shots. Not surprised to hear that. So is Pierre. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. I'm, I'm still not convinced he drops to five. There's there's always that cautious pessimistic part of myself, which think uh, which thinks a, a smirking Joe Sackick's going to go up to that stage and rob him of uh, rob us of Bowen Byram or Chicago with uh, you know they're, they're with Bowman he's gonna he's gonna rob him of us so I'm I'm still cautiously pessimistic that he'll go three or four. But if he does go down to five, then I'll be happy to know that I got Pierre's favorite player on my team. Let me tell you this. Just with my insider knowledge and the, the certain podcast that I listen to, the uh, you have more of a chance of losing him to Chicago than Colorado. Colorado will not take him. He's not in consideration. So you can t- take that with... Uh, All right. Well, with, then we'll see what happens because I, I, I like the clips I saw from him when I heard... Morgan Riley and Dowdy comparisons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to hear that the character seems fine to me checks that box he does it all um, he's everything literally safe everything job for the next few years just take bowen byram yeah and here's the other thing this is why i i know la will take him if he's still around we have picks 5 22 and 33 okay the parity between the forwards in this draft is a lot more present than the parity between defensemen. This mm. guy is above and beyond the best defenseman in this draft, which means if he's still there, you take him. Mm. And then with 22 and 33, you go forwards because the parity there from like 12 to 22 doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I'll happily take him five and with 22, take a Suzuki or a Raph Lavoie. Oh, there's easily going to be a Raph Lavoie. Later. Exactly. I'll take Raph Lavoie 22 if I if I get Borum <laughs> at five. Of course. <laughs> so, of course. and then at 33, I'll get another forward who's decent, who just slid out of the first round. So I, I'm laughing if he, if I, if I'm, if I'm fortunate enough to get Bowen Byram <sighs> and, uh, and let's see what happens here. Now, one, one last thing on him. He's, he's not quite as pure dynamic as, as a Kale McCarr. No, he's not a sexy no. pick. Like he'll, he'll make the safe play more than the fancy play, but he still has the capability to put serious points up. Sure. So it's kind of weird that you, you see this guy and nothing jumps off the page in terms of skills. Mm. His acceleration's great. It's not like he's a, he's a burner by any means, but his first three steps are, are elite. Uh, and then... For, other than that, he's just a very, very smart player, and and he can pretty well do it all. But let's go to number six at Detroit. This is an interesting. Uh, you're gonna love my comparable. Uh, Detroit takes center slash winger Trevor Zegras. 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 So according to Pierre, it's Trevor Zegras, not Zegras. Zegras. Okay. Get used to it. Sorry, Pierre, and sorry, Trevor. NHL comparable. This is actually spot on, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely spot Go on. Go ahead. No one can contest this. 
pre-NHL Jonathan Drouin. Pre-NHL, when Jonathan Drouin was up for this up for the draft, he was exactly this player. I'm telling you right now, Jonathan Drouin would have been Trevor Zagras if he was in this draft. Let me explain. <clears throat> Zagras is probably right up there with Hughes in terms of creativity and straight wow factor. For much of the same reasons I fell in love with Jodro, Zagras seemingly has that sixth sense for the game, and he's an ultimate creator. His hockey sense appears to be very high because he makes dangerous plays look like money. But like Drewan is learning, making those cute, dangerous plays does not always work in the NHL. Zagras is smart and gifted, but has work to do in ironing out the cutesy part of his game. <clears throat> if he's going to reach his ceiling which I believe is something like a point-per-game winger. Um, so Detroit crushed last year's draft, and getting Zagros would be a good way to improve on, uh, on their good fortunes. Some scouts have them all the way at three. Some scouts actually have Chicago in contention to take this guy hmm. because he's just that impressive. He can play center or wing, and I think he'll, he'll complement Larkin very well. I think he's more of a winger, to be honest. But uh, to me, the Drouin comparable is right there. Like, you, if you go back to the tapes, you, you've got Bob McKenzie saying, best hands in the draft, best hockey sense. Uh, like, we all knew what, what he was. He was he was a fancy wizard with the puck. But he was a good skater, Drouin. Yes. So Zagros can't skate. Well, there you go. He's a 50-ranked skater by skate. Pronman. He's an average skater. He can, That's all Pronman's he, saying. He's, he's an, an okay. Well, average. the other Duran was an game. above average skater. He still is. Now these days, I don't think Duran's a great skater. Back then, when his, he was with Tampa, he was running all over the yes, ice. Yes, he was. He's gotten slower. Yeah. So I don't. I see everything else, but not the skating. That's why I raised my eyebrow. But this is why I don't think. I think. I think Zagros has some work to do. Like when when Pronman gives him a, the highest hockey IQ in the fucking draft, then I, I get a little skeptical. seventy five. Yeah. I get I get very skeptical because I was saying all these things about Jonathan Drouin and everything from his junior playing career was absolutely on par with this guy. Wizard with the puck, he can see guys without even looking. Uh, he finds guys with with like his highlight package is going to be stuff of legends. But guess what? Like, he's he's gonna need a lot of coaching. And from what I gather, Nick, now get this, he had a terrible interview. From mm. what I gather, he came off very cocky, even more so than Hughes. Like, yeah, I'm the shit kind of mm. thing. He came off very poor in the interviews. Um, so character problems like JoJo. Mm. Uh, and and you know what? I think this guy would be tough to coach. Because think of you know we all we all played hockey. Think of the guy, the best guy on your team, the cocky prick, and how easy was he to coach? No, mm. he, he was very tough to coach. So I, I don't uh, I don't love this as a grass kid. He can go to Detroit and do whatever the fuck he will, but uh, I don't I don't love him as a player. Yeah, I mean all I'll say is you know I don't really know much about his character, but just watching the clips, these were the most creative plays I saw out of any player in this draft. These three, these, you know, 
backhand 360 passes, no look feeds. Like they just they make. But this me... doesn't fly in the NHL. No, that's Joe the problem. learned that the hard way. John Cooper slapped him on the wrist. Yeah. He said, "Don't you fucking try this." It may or I'll not be. You. It may not be translatable into the NHL, and and, <clears throat> and that's the concerning part. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean. Yeah, he looks great now. He looks like a sexy pick right now. I'm sure those Detroit fans will be jumping out of their seats when they make this selection, if they do make this selection. But uh, I agree, not as translatable a game as, as a Doc or a Turcotte or a Byram. So, One more but, thing. But you can say the wind, the ceiling's high. Like, if you can oh, make it, sure. the for ceiling's sure. high. Yeah, it's no, just, it's, it's, it's polarizing yeah. because he could be... Like he could be right up there. Mm-hmm. He could be right up there as a as a fantastic. This is a player. guy who quarterbacked a power play with Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, that that US NTDP team, right? The best they've ever best put they've together. ever put together. Ever and this man lives. was the quarterback of that team. Yeah, I mean that's something. Mm-hmm. Seriously, something. Mm-hmm. He's going to Boston University next year, and from what I've heard, that program has collapsed. Hmm. Every single talented player has left that program, so he's going to a very poor, uh, very starving Boston University program. Since Jack Eichel left, it's been going downhill, and um, that's all I'll say. So his development next year will be iffy. So him and Turcotte are not playing in the NHL next year. Turcotte's going to Wisconsin. Yes. He's going to be... You want with them. Granado, he's going to be Z- with Tony Granado. Zagras, you want two years in the NCAA. I think Turcotte, you want one. Whereas, um, whereas Hughes, Kako, Hughes Byram will be, are yeah. right in. Uh, Byram, he's he's probably NHL ready, but it's definitely up to the team to decide. Okay. Like they could send him back even knowing that he's NHL ready, and that wouldn't be a bad decision. Okay. Let him play in the World Juniors for Christ's sakes, kind of thing. Um, but that's just a gross. Let's move there. on. Number seven, Buffalo selects Cole Coffee. Nice, good pick. Got to do it. Uh, NHL comparable, simply and plain, he's a small Ovechkin. Uh, pure goals, goals from everywhere, goals from his goal line, uh, goals from the ceiling. <laughs> Caulfield is tiny, but he has all the tools necessary to be an annual 40-goal guy, maybe even maybe even 50-some years. He can load up on the power play in that traditional spot. He can score on the rush and score in tight. If he were larger, he would easily be top four, without question. When the going gets tough, he has excellent hands and feet to make up for his lack of size. He's super elusive. Uh, when I did see him play at the U18s, his his hands really impressed me. That I thought he was just kind of a shoot kind of guy, but this guy can seriously handle the puck too. Interesting to note, and everyone listen close, uh, he comes from a Canadian family. Both his father... And his grandfather were players, not in the NHL, but they played pro, and they were born in Sault Ste. Marie. So he's a dual citizen. He just uh, he grew up in the States, probably because his father met a, a, an American woman. Uh, but Ca- consider Caulfield born a Canadian and raised American. Um, this man lining up beside Jack Eichel is a sinister request. <laughs> sinister. Those two can make some serious red light magic happen. <clears throat> even even lining up on the second line with Middlestat slash Reinhardt for a couple of years would make... Now, get this is a hot take. <clears throat> if he were to line up anywhere in this top six, 
with ever all these pieces in place, Skinner, Eichel, Middlestat, Reinhardt, uh, plug in whoever you want. Uh, I think this top six is as lethal as the Maple Leafs top six. I mean, that's saying a lot, given how much scrutiny this organization's under right now. Yeah. We just saw Jeff Skinner get something like nine mil a year. Yeah. That's ridiculous for Jeff Skinner. This was a ridiculous. guy. This was a guy who had concussion issues in Carolina. His career was almost over. I'm just talking about the top six in terms of talent. I'm just saying, hey, Middlestad hasn't really come into fruition yet. He'll be good. And, and Skinner, they're criticizing for this pick. This is $18 million, $19 million between Eichel and Skinner. That's your core. That's bad. Are you kidding me? That's very We bad. have Matthews and Marner, and they have Skinner and Eichel. That's dusty. Now, I don't know how long we're going to have Marner. That's, that's their two highest played players. They can't pay anyone more than that. Well, hold on, Nick. I know Dalton's going to be a star. Ma- Matthews makes 11-6. Marner's about to make 11-5. He's not. Maybe he'll get nine. He won't We don't nine. know yet. We he don't know yet. Hometown nine. discount. The, Home- Mar- the Marner camp is insistent on getting Matthews money. We'll see. The entire, everyone, in the entirety of everyone knows they're steadfast on Matthews. Point money. is, this, so they're gonna this be duo, this, this, this bromance... Eichel Skinner, it's no Kucherov Stamkos, it's Ooh. no Bergeron Marchand, it's no Matthews Marner. Buffalo, get out of here. You, th- this is your grand plan, locking this guy to nine mil. You better make it's a bad. good pick here, or else, or else this management team, this Jason Botterill, you're done. It's bad. You, but, you uh, got this is a lot of pressure riding on this pick. With with this Caulfield pick, it's a sure. It's so much a sure thing that he's a, he's a goal scorer, Nick. I I I went back into his past and I looked for every little thing to pick on. Mm. He's even at he's fu- he's put up fucking goals on goals since he was seven. But years but he's old. playing with kids. He's gonna play with grown men. But five Dante, this guy's five seven, one fifty seven. That's a feather. That's a featherweight. <laughs> he's tiny, but he's so slippery. I don't care. Is he, sli- is he slippery against Dano Chara? We'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. Chara will never catch One thing guy. I will give him, and I can't take this away from him, is this generational shot. Yes. Just like Zagra's playmaking, sorry, Zegris's playmaking, <laughs> this shot made me leap out of my seat. This guy has this ability to just place his <clears throat> stick on the puck and literally in half a second can <clears throat> slingshot it to the top corner yeah. every single time. I've never seen anything like this. And from such a little guy, it's crazy how much velocity he gets on the shot. Quote is, he's one of the best goal scorers to become eligible for the draft in recent years. Caulfield shot is special. There's plenty of snipers out there, but Caulfield's wrist shot technique is like a slingshot. He gets control of the puck and fires it a million miles. (laughs) Can you define hyperbole for me? <laughs> the fuck is that shit? I'm just saying a million miles per <laughs> second. <laughs> I'm just saying, watching these clips, I believe in, in the shock grade by Corey Pronman, a perfect eighty out of eighty. And he does not give that out often. Generational. Generational shot. And this will be interesting to see how this translates to the N- to the to the NHL. Him and Eichel could be serious mm-hmm. money for many, many, many years. Now if you take like forget forget Jeff Skinner. Him and Eichel, okay. Like, if I didn't have Buffalo, I, I took Buffalo there. If if he didn't go to Buffalo, he, damn right he's going to Edmonton. So you're going to have Darlene on one point, Eichel at, 
uh, what the top of one circle and and the Caulfield at the top of another yeah. circle. Wow. Load them up. Holy shit. And then Sam Reinhardt's the smart net front, front guy. And then you got another someone on the point. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. We'll see. We've said I'm, this about Buffalo in the past. We've gotten excited and they let us down. So maybe this is the final key to the puzzle, but time will tell. And you know what? I, he's going to get a tryout in the NHL next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks. I don't know. I, I know the size isn't there, but... Uh, I would not be so totally shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Edmonton, number eight. I mean, they need it, right? I mean, who's going to take a spot, right? It's not like he's battling with anyone for a position anyways, right? Yeah. And this is a desperate team that needs to make a playoff run. Oh, badly. Yeah. Badly, badly. Edmonton, yeah. eight. Oh, and, and by the way, I mean, this uh, this Caulfield guy... I mean, where where is he? Is he slipping in any drafts, or is he consistently going in that in that top range? If he goes below ten, I think there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, like uh, Pronman's got him ten to Vancouver. <sighs> Pronman is a <laughs> fucking idiot. Ten to Vancouver. Oh, he's got a generation generational shot, but let's give him ten to Vancouver. You fucking. It should be me? pretty fun with Elias Pettersson. That would be fun, wouldn't it? <sighs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> that would be. Okay, that's enough. All that's right, enough. all right, all right. That, they've already got best, so they don't deserve that. Come right. on, come on. Well, fuck, imagine him with Connor. It could happen. There's it could great, happen. They could get Doc or Caulfield. Yeah. That's exciting. Just, yeah. just that thought is exciting. The best player in the world playing with potentially the next best goal scorer. Edmonton's getting a good player. I don't think enough people oh. are talking about that. Like they're, If you're eight, you're getting a good player. Yeah. And I'm about to drop it. Doc, right now. Caulfield, Zgross, any of those guys you're getting. Any of those guys you're they, getting. They would they would hit on. Mm. Now I will say I know Edmonton probably wanted this to be a dynamic defenseman. Again, just like But they just got know, they just got but, Bouchard or not. Yeah, they you can't because the defenseman you take if you were to take a defenseman here, it would not be the quality as a, as the forward that you would take here. Yeah. You can't do it. I know it might be organizational need, but you can't do it. So with eight at uh, for Edmonton, I have Dylan Cousins. My mm-hmm. NHL comparable is Pierre-Luc Dubois. They're pretty darn similar guys. Uh, Dylan Cousins slots in as a center, first and foremost, can play the right wing. Now, he's an interesting guy for me. I always wanted to fall in love with him, considering he is from the Yukon and all that. But haven't been able to really, really dive in yet. Every international tournament I've seen him, he's always gets outshine just a little bit, and he he didn't sh- he's never shown me that real wow factor, that second gear that I, I've wanted to see from him. Now that being said, let's let's not kid ourselves. He's a six foot three, one hundred eighty five pound centerman with tons of speed a great shot, and a willingness to use his body. Similar to Doc, he's got that size, but he he knows how to use his body. Now, how many teams would kill for a physical specimen like this? And if you were to look at him, and it still looks like he's 12 years old. He's got the face of a fucking baby. It's crazy. So I think he's still got a ton of physical maturing to do. Now, he's a very safe pick in my mind. He's got a very high floor, and a guy that can switch to right wing pretty easily. Uh, he's been kind of said that he's got quiet skills, nothing that will make your jaw drop, but uh, skills that the trained hockey eye will love. So this guy's a great skater, as I said. So this is 
what feeds into the Edmonton kind of need. They, they want more speed. They want as much speed as they can get. Um, now, they've got a bunch of guys, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, that can play both center and wing, and I think they like that. I think they love that versatility. Um, <clears throat> to me, I see this guy, and I think I want this guy on my team in the playoffs. This body, this style of play, this run-and-gun, shots from everywhere, great shot, little things, this guy's going to be a playoff workhorse. Even if he does only get 65 points in, in a regular season, I think he can be a serious, serious workhorse in, uh, in the playoffs. And that's my uh, number eight at, for Edmonton. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, one of the first things I told you was he kind of reminds me a little bit of myself. Game sure. Um, <laughs> Except you know, he can... <laughs> no. very, very good skater. <laughs> he can finish. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't just skate fast. He consistently pushes the pace and plays the game hard. Cousins is not going to do a fancy between-the-legs kind of play, <laughs> but he gets yeah. by defenders with deeks at full speed, which makes skilled plays to the net and can make plays in small areas. That last part, maybe not me at all. <laughs> the but, small areas? Yeah, part? the small areas. Right. Not so much this past week. Yeah, little things. He's yeah. little minor. Yeah, I, just like, I, I have a respect for those guys who, who aren't the fanciest, don't have the best hands, but the work ethic is there, the speed is there, the tenacious attitude's yeah. there. Yeah. I have respect for that kind of player. He's a simple I, man. I liked what, yeah, and I, and I liked what I saw from, uh, from him in the World Juniors. He's just a, he's just a, a workman, you know, and, and, and I like that about him, <clears throat> and I think he'll fit in admirably with, uh, with a McDavid. Uh, someone who can push the pace along with him, you know, because that's yeah. the problem. The wingers they've had in Edmonton, they've been too slow. You know, yes. you're playing McDavid with all these old aged veterans like Milan Lucic, who just can't keep up. And uh, and a guy like this would would really help. And, and he can play center to center or wing. I think he's primarily a center, but he can switch to either right. wing, so which gives, is great he gives, versatility. He gives you flexibility for the Oilers. You know, they'll go, and, and it's just like dry sidle, right? He's flexible. He can man his own yeah. line down the middle, or he yeah. can play on the wing. So just to add him to that crop of forwards, it'll be nice. And, and once those defensemen of theirs develop, because <clears throat> I know they've got them coming, they'll be on the right path. So I, I disagree with some of these mocks who think they're going to get a defenseman. Like, like a uh, Broberg. Broberg, yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen a lot of Brobergs. I disagree. That's the, see they can't risk anything here. No, I don't think Edmonton's in a position to take a risk. I agree. You need a safe pick like this. This guy is going to be a great number two. Things, and I think yeah. Th that would be perfect. Things get risky after pick eight. There's some names yeah. there who can really collapse. Oh, but if you stick, absolutely. if you stick to those top eight who we've talked about so far tonight, I can't really see any of those eight guys really, really falling. In I think those eight guys are yeah. going to be in the no eight. pizza man. No, 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 no pizza man. They're all gonna, are, they're all gonna, they're all gonna do their part. And if Edmonton just they get that forward and get McDavid another friend to play with, I think they'll be in a good spot. Plus, he's a great kid. And and don't forget, this is the first draft of their new GM, the one who came right. over from from Detroit. You gotta figure he knows what he's doing. I trust him. Yeah. So let's let's hope he makes the right move here and and take <laughs> takes takes this player Cousins or at the very least if Cousins taken earlier because I've seen him go as early as four. Yeah. You go with someone else like a like a, like we've said Doc Colt Caulfield Zegris. one of these other guys. Yep. yep. Yeah. Just, just and you're fine. Just get out of there. Stick to the top eight. Get out of there. Take your pick and fly out of Vancouver. Quite, like put your hat put your hat down. Just make the pick and go about your business. That's it. Do not draw any attention to yourself. 
Um, now, funny, funny thing. The hockey news mock draft is a joke. Mm. They had Cousins going third, and they had Pod Colson going to Edmonton right. at eight. I turned it off. I turned it off right Seems away. Seems like a mock draft that was done three months ago. Yeah. So number nine. <clears throat> you might like this one as well. Anaheim Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. Draft Matthew Boldy. <laughs> a guy who's really grown on me in the wow. past two days. I, I thought nothing of this American. guy. Yeah. The, the, fuck, he's, these guys, man. It's a good year for them. Uh, I'll make his NHL comparable a light Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain here. Uh, he, Boldy flies under the radar as an incredibly skilled and talented guy. He was often the odd man out on that USA power play on that stacked team. But make no mistake, he's an awesome player. He's got great hands, great vision, great scoring and tight. Um, but he's not that great of a skater. He recently hit a major growth spurt. And he's now 6'2". He was like 5'10", like a year ago. So he may still be adjusting to his new, uh, his new body. Uh, so watch out for that. It usually takes guys uh, the skill to catch up to the body when, when that kind of growth spurt happens. So I think he's got sneaky upside. Um, as the veteran forwards on Anaheim start to crumble beneath our eyes, uh, guys like Sam Steele, Troy Terry, and Matthew Boldy and company will take over the reins. So I think uh, there's Matthew Boldy there. Again, odd man out yeah. oftentimes, but seriously, seriously good player. <laughs> Flew right under the radar. And uh, he's got the body. He's got the skill. He's he's really got it all. He's he's a really good overall. He's like a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. I read the article. <laughs> wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed with one thing of his game. He's not one of those guys who I can just take one part of his game. Seems to me like he's well rounded. Like he, yeah. he he doesn't do one thing terribly. He's just he's just above average in every single respect. And if he's around at at, at ten, you take him. Or nine, yeah. you you take him. Odd man out, so he didn't really get the best line mates or the opportunity to shine. But you know, I, I, I mean, I, I have nothing else to say about this player. He does, he just does, he doesn't have that X factor that I like about these other guys we've talked about. But I see why you have him so high, mm-hmm. and I consider nine to be pretty high when you have guys like you know Krebs around there, and uh, and you know I'm sure you'll get to him in a sec. <clears throat> yeah. I will get to Krebs for sure. Yeah, I mean, I this is the part of the draft where I, I see the fall off. I see the next tier starting. Yeah, right? exactly. We talked this about is, the eight. This is where it begins. We talked about the eight, and now we get into nine, and it's and it's and it's this uh, this this um, boldy character. If I were Anaheim, yeah. I'm taking Peyton Krebs, but we'll get into that with our Krebs analysis. For sure. Now, again, if this were a couple of weeks ago, I I totally would have gone Krebs here. But uh, I think there is a little bit of concern with that. I've heard reports, injury. no concerns whatsoever. Really? Passed all the tests with flying colors. He did, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll turn. let's just consider there's some concern for mm. the rest of this this mock. Because um, I know, like, I don't know how severe it was, but, I mean, think about this. He's he's going to have a summer of rehab instead of training. He's going right. to lose a year of development. 
it's just it's not that great of a look, especially if you're a team that wants to get. But was he ready to start in the NHL anyways? No, no, no. But you want to be set up well, and I'll I'll get into him. I'm not rushing in this draft. Like I'm not drafting in this draft to get a player two years from now. Like I don't care when this player comes, as long as he comes and he's the player that I want. But you're more likely to get the player you want if he has a full summer of development. He'll just be a little delayed, but I'm still going to get the Peyton Krebs that they're that they're all talking about, you know. I don't know. I don't know, Kyle. We, we, it, I hear it, I hear Ryan O'Reilly, and, and a light goes off in my head, and I'm like, give give did, me eh? give me Peyton Krebs. If I wow. if I'm LA, I'm trading up to get Peyton Krebs. I want Peyton Krebs and Bowen Byram on my team. I would uh, if if Krebs were healthy, and Caulfield went to Buffalo, mm-hmm. I, I would take. Krebs for Edmonton instead of Cousins. If he were full, if this never happened, I, I'm paying a little bit more mind to this injury. Maybe that's that's a mistake, but that's just how I'm going about it. So you're about to get into ten, correct? Number ten. So this is the part where I interject and say you are already going to go wrong in your mock. I maybe yeah. Breaking news from Pierre Maguire. He knows for a fact. That Holy a team shit. is taking Spencer Knight in the top ten. No, no. Yep, it's how, how the he, fuck he has talked. He, he has talked to a representative of this team's scouting staff, what? and they have a pick in the top ten, and they're saying we're taking Spencer Knight with our pick. Do you want to debate on who the fuck it could be? It's not Anaheim. See, I don't know if it's even worth debating because he's he's, he's, he's given he's given false news in the past. How this is how a could he this stick is his a, neck this out is like a guy this. who said that Jeff Skinner's going to Calgary last draft. But how could he stick his neck out like this? He wouldn't do this. I'll dig up the tape for you. There's no way he goes in the top ten. I'll dig 10, up the Nick. tape. They said we'll take we'll take him top ten. He said there's a team in the top ten who will take it. It's not Vancouver, it's not Anaheim. How could it be Edmonton? Edmonton needs a goalie, but like really? You're not you you can't do that. You can't do that. They need. They can't do that. Uh, Ed, uh, needs a goalie. Detroit needs a goalie. Buffalo. Mm. Buffalo, you could argue, needs a goalie. L.A. doesn't. Colorado does. Would but, never but, but, take but him at four. At would right. never take him. Sure. He's not going the top five. Like he said. He said, like, he said top ten. He didn't, this say, is he didn't say top ten. And then we just, this, we just, I, don't, I don't buy this. Okay, we'll see. I don't we'll see it. if this is another Jeff Skinner screw-up or if this is the truth. <sighs> Again, like you said, Nick, after eight, after eight, I think they're so close, this crop, that we're now starting to look at picking for organizational need rather than best player. So this one might surprise you. At uh, number 10, Vancouver takes Moritz Sider. Mm. At number 10. Shocking. I actually don't have an NHL comparable for you. I was thinking like a like a Shea Weber with not the shot and perhaps a little bit better feet. Uh, here's what I have to say about Cider at ten for Vancouver. Now this is completely a rational move. Uh, Quinn Hughes is the future of the Vancouver blue line, and Cider will be his running mate. With talk of Edler being out, uh, a perfect tandem could form with Hughes and Cider. He's a steady, stay-at-home d- defenseman who is very mobile and intelligent for his size. A no-frills pick. We're not excited about this, but he's a very intelligent one for the future of the organization. You've got a lot of talent on forward now. 
You've got some really nice pieces in your top six. I think with Edler gone, you're kind of leaving Hughes on an island in, on the back end. He's already six foot three, 208 pounds, which is fantastic. And he'll bring a solidifying force to, uh, to the Vancouver Canucks. This was, a this was one of the first names I heard about going into the draft, courtesy of Gordon Miller, uh, who was at the, he was at the uh, World Championships down in uh, Slovakia. He was great. And, and no, well, you didn't really believe it. I, I told you that Gordon Miller mentioned a guy who's 6'4", who skates like the wind. And you were like, who's that? And I was like, Maurice Sider. You did. And you were like, who? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> you were, you were, maybe you didn't say that, but you were like, you weren't high on this player. I was not. Certainly not high enough to put him in your top 10. And yet here you he you said is. he was going to Montreal, and I said, go to hell. I said, Montreal might get him, and I still believe Mark Bergevin would run up to that stage and take him if he's still I know there. who Montreal's picking. Well, yeah, I there's a lot of good known. guys who they can take. But this, this could have been one of them. Um, but, you know, again, you don't get a lot of built guys like this who can skate like that. That's like Victor Hedman-like. And mm. uh, it doesn't come often. You know, Seth Jones, Victor Hedman kind of mold. He, he won't probably won't be that good, but he just fits that mold. And, and just hearing that's very enticing. So when I heard someone like Gord gushing about this guy, I immediately jumped on the bandwagon. So yeah. sign me up for Maurice Sider. Uh, I, I'd love to have him. Heck, if, if I get a forward and I'm LA at five, I'll, I'll happily take this guy with my second pick. For sure, yeah. Just a uh, again, no frills. He's he's gonna get the job done. Defensive guy yeah. with uh, who can move. Because because like, what else do you want? There's this second tier of defensemen, right? You have the one tier to just Byram, and then yeah. this whole other tier, huge Soderstrom, tier. Right? Broberg, Broberg, Soderstrom, Broberg, Soderstrom. This guy, Cam Harley. York, Harley. Those last three are my favorite defensemen. The York, Harley, and the Cider are my three favorite defensemen, all for different reasons. Uh, no particular order. I think it just comes down to team need, like you mentioned. Mm. And for Edmonton, you already have the puck mover, so you don't really need a Cami York. Um, I think Cider fits the mold better there. So I see, I see the fit there. I just think, I just don't know he's going this early, but we'll see. Fair enough. Just for the record, TSN had him at eleven. Good, Not good. 10. That's good. So <clears throat> Philadelphia at number eleven. Um, I kind of looked at. I, I don't like picking this guy. I really don't. I, I kind of wanted them to take a forward. But again, to me, picking defensemen right now is super boring. But I just look at Philly and I see they have a lot of guys either developing or coming up. Like Morgan Frost. Nolan Patrick's developing. You've got tons of good forwards. I don't think that's the problem. So that's why I take Victor Soderstrom at number 11. I kind of see Soderstrom as a, as a as kind of a Roman Yossi light. You know, he's he's a defense first kind of guy. He's very very well rounded. You're going really off the board with this one, eh? No. Oh yeah. He does everything relatively well. Still has an off offensive side to his game, and he isn't afraid to make use of it. Um, now the main reason here is with rumor that Shane Gostisbehere is being shipped out. And the high level of talent that's developing in, in Philly's forward group, I see this as a nice fit to really solidify their roster. I mean, let's be honest. The Philadelphia problem last year wasn't really the scoring. It was the defense. And I think Soderstrom, if they're going to pick a defenseman if, and Sider's off the board, 
I think Soderstrom's the best guy to really solidify this defense as a let's calm things down and not have Carter Hart barraged with a million pucks kind of thing. But if you're looking at Pronman's rankings, then yeah, I'm off the board because Pronman's a fucking dumbass. Whatever I've seen him at, I've seen him at nine. I have seen. This him is at very nine. interesting. Well, we we already said it was a, it was a pick'em. Don't you think Philadelphia could use a defenseman, or or do they need another forward? Pronman has him ranked twenty seventh. He's an idiot. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's an absolute dumbass. <laughs> do you think Philadelphia could use a defenseman? Uh, Matty Niskanen, right? They're shipping out Goss. And who else did they acquire? They just acquired someone else. A very stout defenseman. I like what they're doing. They, they just made two two moves. Yeah, they they, they, acquired, they acquired Braun today. So they acquired Braun. They acquired Braun? Yes. Now, how long is Niskanen going to be there? I'm just saying, those are two top four defensemen in my mind. <sighs> who they just they're acquired. Involved. Yes, they are. <laughs> just Braun. He's a 5-6. Niskanen is a 3-4 defenseman on a Stanley Cup team. Are they part of your core of defense? For going? Let me ask you this. He might be going to Montreal from what I heard. We'll see. Nick. Who's the, who's Niskanen the, and Braun part of your core? Yes. They're gushing full of defensemen right They're now. They're getting rid of Goss to spare. They're gushing full of defense. They've got the goalie of the future right now. And when you look at the center depth, it's not exactly clicking, is it? TSN had Cider going to Philadelphia. How do you explain Why? that? See, like, the fact that, like, Nolan Patrick hasn't really turned into Nolan Patrick yet makes me Give think... Give him some time. Why not? Maybe they'll get Christ, a... Maybe he's 20. No, they won't. How could... You have Morgan Frost, who was fucking 150 points in the fucking OHL... Back-to-back 100-point seasons. You're set, man. You've got Giroux, uh, Couturier, Konechny, Patrick, know. like Voracek. You don't need more forwards. This is crazy. You've got one of the best prospects in hockey coming. Boldy. Boldy's going to Philly. Well, he's not going to be available. Well, they're saying... I would take Boldy as well if he was available, but he won't be. Oh, sure. I know, but that's the nature of a mock. I wouldn't be surprised. We, we can't get to comparing mocks. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't... I would not be surprised either, but I think they need a defenseman. Two moves, I'd be with you. But these. But he's two, not a. Core, they're not core players. They are. Justin Braun's a core player. For how long is how long is he going to be there? Realistically, Soderstrom won't be there for another two or three years. Is are those two players going to be there? No, they won't. Not not both of them, at least. We will see. If if they go forward, I will not be surprised. No, neither will I, but I just think that's their biggest need. <laughs> 12, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Minnesota. An ugly pick. Minnesota yeah. has dissipated to one of the ugliest teams in the NHL. That's exactly why I don't like sending my boy to this team. Ooh. Not at all. That's sad. Alex Newhook. Mm. Alex Newhook is uh, Taylor Hall light, but at center. Yeah. So he's a, he's a light Taylor Hall at center. Uh, I, I, I think that a team will fall in love with this guy and take him earlier than this, to be honest. I think that he's a very lovable guy in some mm -hmm. respects. Um, he's the most Canadian prospects, prospect of the entire draft. 
born in Newfoundland, mm-hmm. lived in Aurora, Ontario, and then played junior in BC. Thing. This guy is unbelievable. His speed alone is top three in the draft. He has excellent agility as well, with Hughes-like ability to keep his feet working in conjunction with his hands. He's got a, an excellent um, hands-feet connection. Great shot, great passer, can be a little lost in his own zone, I'll admit, uh, but as many young kids are. Um, he was cut from the Halinka gretzky tournament. That was the tournament where Lafreniere led the team in points and they won. But then was likely the best player at the U18 championships just recently, ahead of Cousins and Krebs. He led the BCHL in scoring as a 17-year-old, but some teams are scared off because he didn't quite have the same production uh, in terms of pure numbers as a Tyson Jost. Well, and not to mention he's playing in a... Like, this is where the... Yes. Well, that's why. The not playing in the OHL, the Q, the or the WHL. That's the only reason he's at 12. Otherwise, he'd be way up. Yeah. It's weird. The, and the thing is, he like Tyson Jost obviously went 10 in 2016. Out, technically outproduced Alex Newhook in his year. That's why teams will be a little scared, because Jost hasn't panned out yet. Uh, but seriously, he's got the potential of a number one center, uh, and I think Minnesota's going to need that very, very soon. Uh, he's he's going to Boston College, not Boston University, which is a good program. And I think he could really, really benefit from two good years in the NCAA. He's going to be a very well-rounded player. High reviews skating, high reviews hockey sense, and those are the two things I value the most. So I agree with uh, with the numbers here. I watched the, the feature that talked about his time at St. Andrews College in Aurora, then moving, no, then moving to... Uh, to, to Victoria and playing out there. Uh, the good story seems to have good character and, and he fits the bill with the qualities. Checks off. I'd happily <clears throat> draft him as, a, as an LA King fan with my second pick, pick. But I don't think he'll last that long, unfortunately. No. So uh, I could see him going to Anaheim. Yeah, maybe he goes to Anaheim. He's going to go to a team that's getting old and speed. And that's why Minnesota fits the bill. A team that's very slow. Dying veterans like Parise are, are getting shipped out. They're already dying. Yeah, I mean they're done. They're almost they're done. Oh they're my done. god! I mean you you got you, you got youngsters on defense already like Doomba. Uh, yeah. I, I, I could see them going forward, and I could see them getting a guy like Newhook. So I will they not. Need him, I yeah. won't contest that. If he's there, he'll. I think he's gone. Like I, as much as I want him to fall to Montreal. I don't think not it's going to happen. But some guys, like your boy, probably have him at 19. Nope, he's got him at 11. Some guys have him at 19, which is... <sighs> shut. Button had him at 19, I think. Fucking Interesting. Idiot. Florida, number 13. This is where I have... Yeah, yeah, has got him. He's his 11th ranked skater, but he's got him going 17th to Vegas. What an idiot. What an idiot. We're, we're here talking about, yeah, he won't last to 12. 17. <laughs> wow. Bullshit. Yeah, I guess. One of these guys is going to slide. It's going to be that awkward moment where he's sitting with his family. That's and he's, why. And he's crying before he's picked because he hasn't been picked. And it's round 20 and he's still not picked. picked. Someone's going to be that guy and I don't know who it's going to be. That is why I have Krebs sliding because... Uh, if all are similar, why take the guy with the injury? Why would you do it? 
Because the character is elite. I know, I know. But if everything else is equal, if I'm going, I love Krebs' character, but he's not as talented as New Hook. I hope he falls. I, I hope he Krebs? falls. L.A. He, he'll fall right to fucking Montreal, I'm telling you. All right, number 13. This is where I take Spencer Knight, the goaltender. Uh, NHL comparable. Take your pick. I say Jonathan Quick. Uh, Spencer Knight, Nick. This guy is unbelievable. Uh, he, he's everything you want in a goalie. Size, reflexes, athleticism, and character. You're going to love this. He crushed the combine on every level. This guy's a freak athlete. Absolute freak. He also crushed his interviews on every, every level. Character through the roof. How could you not take him, right? He has the numbers to prove he is awesome as well. Uh, he's the closest thing to a surefire goalie that you can possibly find. Now, why would he go this late, you might ask, or, or this early? Um, a lot of pundits would say, oh, he played on this all-star USNTDP team. Of course, he didn't face a lot of shots. Of course, his numbers are good. He wasn't challenged. Um, take that as you will. Whatever you want to do, I think he's, he's a fantastic goalie. Uh, he's a Carter Hart level prospect in terms of goalies. No. I will no 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 not better. Uh, he'll likely take a minimum of two years to make it to the NHL, which is extremely quick. Uh, we'll be just on time for a Florida team that's not quite ready yet, but they're they're getting there. They're getting there. So this is even if they sign. I don't think you go into the draft assuming that. Well, no, maybe of it could course. be done. If you, the deal if you could sign, be done. If you sign Bobrovsky, of course you're not taking Knight, but I don't think you rely on the Bobrovsky signing. But I just look at Luongo and Reimer, and I'm going, maybe squeeze Reimer for two more years, and then let's actually get serious. Because you can't be serious if with those two guys. You can't be. Yeah, and Luongo's it, it fits their theme, right? Because this has been a, a good team. Skater-wise, every year, right? They're getting plenty of goals. <clears throat> yeah. Six, which is great. The defense isn't bad at all, right? Like on paper. On paper, but the goalies have let them down every year, right? Yeah. Reimer hasn't helped at all, and Luongo's going to hang him up in a year. Or injury two. prone. And injury prone. He fits the bill. I, I'd love to see him go to Florida. I want to see him on an East team so I can watch him every night, because I really think he's a pleasure to watch. I see the clips, and he, he moves around the crease. Like a spider. Like yeah. Other goalies, they don't move like this. Carter Hart doesn't move like this. Carter Hart's more... He's better. That is just his, his mobility in the crease Athlete. is amazing. Crazy. I've never seen anything like it. He makes what should be hard saves incredibly easy because he's always in the right position at the right time. And when he isn't in the right position, he's sliding over from end to end and just making forwards silly who are getting robbed each and every night. So I, I love this goalie. Um, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference for where he goes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Florida, Florida seems to fit the bill. And if he goes past Florida, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Colorado. Oh, at 16. So, time, time will yeah. tell, but as Pierre said, this is the next Marty, Marty Bordeaux. Uh, and if, if that means one thing, it means this, this kid's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, if you want a Hall of Famer, pick him. Mm. We debated earlier. Pierre says top 10. 
Which is, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's crazy. And yet, it's funny, if he does go in the top 10, of course, someone slides. We'll have to see who these sliders are. But, uh, again, when I looked at the combine results, I, I was shocked. He kept coming up top five, top five, top five, every single category. I was like, this guy's a fucking freak. So... I'm sold on him. I wasn't sold before, but everything started adding up, and I was like, all right, I, I see it. Will, um, will apparently be the greatest American goaltender of all time. <sighs> okay. Who said that? Pierre? Okay. Mackenzie. Yeah. It's just so hard to predict goalies. That's why they don't get chosen this early, ever, ever. And if they go to a shitty team who doesn't defend well, then his numbers will look bad, and then Aaron will go, well, shit, this guy's a shitty player. Yeah. It's, it'll be the most fascinating transition in the NHL. Like, these forwards, these defensemen, yeah, we'll watch them. It'll be interesting. But, but however his first season goes in the NHL will be the most fascinating of any of these players in my opinion. <clears throat> We're going to have to wait a couple of years, but when it happens, it's going to be fascinating. Hmm. So number 14 with Arizona. Now these two picks, uh, I probably screwed. They could screwed they could with. take the goalie right if he falls. Arizona. Uh, they could. Sure. He's relatively young though, is he not? Relatively. I don't young. know. Now this this pick I screwed with just to make my Montreal pick a little bit sweeter. So I'll, I'll admit this one had some tampering, but mm. for good reason. Uh, Arizona selects Arthur Kaliev. Now you might be thinking, why the fuck? Would Arizona want this Russian Hamilton schmuck. Bulldogs? Yeah. Yeah. So Arthur Kaliev is line A with, without the deadly shot. Not quite as good as, as that shot. Uh, Kaliev is the second best goal scorer in the entire draft. He's a truly polarizing pick. He's got incredible skills and a, and a really, really nice release. But can get really lost out there as, as many Russians do. And can lack effort at times, which many Russians do. Uh, so that being said, he's a big right winger who can make an excellent complement for a really skilled centerman. Uh, with proper coaching, and that's the main thing, this guy will have to be coached really intelligently. You don't want to scare him off to Russia. Uh, he, can be, he can be one of the bigger steals of this draft. Now I look at Arizona and I see two very skilled future centermen in Keller and Barrett Hayton coming in. Now either one of these guys, if they start to click with Kaliev, then you could see a 30-35 plus goal guy every year. He's um, like just looking at the OHL metrics in terms of comparables, how, how Kaliev has scored. He's right up there in the top 10 goal scorers coming out of the OHL in terms of the last fucking 15 years. He's really, really a talented guy in terms of putting the puck in the net. Now, I said polarizing because he can be that 35-plus goal scorer. He can be the, best, the second best scorer in the draft, or he could be a nobody. He could disappear into nothing. He could be a lazy schmuck who doesn't work on his game and who doesn't you know, fit the NHL style because he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, you know, put in the work and, and he's lazy. So, uh, he, uh, no, we just got a notification here. Kevin Hayes. Did you see it? No, my notifications are off. Kevin Hayes signs a seven year deal worth. Wait, wait, wait. 
so, so he was just he was just in he was with the Rangers, right? He was with the Rangers, got traded to uh, Winnipeg. I, Winnipeg traded his rights for a fifth round pick to Philly. So he signed with Philly. He just signed with Philly. Wow. Seven years, fifty million. <laughs> AAV seven point one four. That's 7.4? steep. Four? Steep. So do you still think they're taking No, they're taking it. There you go. Soderstrom, baby. That's a that's so, overpayment. So I'm Giroux, sorry. Voracek, JVR, Couturier, Couturier Patrick, Frost. Who's the other guy? Konechny. What the fuck? And now Hayes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> they're so loaded on forward. Two defensemen, Braun and loaded. They're going for the playoffs. They're, they're, they're making. They're going for the playoffs. You said it every year. They don't find a way. They're gonna make. They it. don't find a way. Holy shit! Now I hear Kachuri is on the block. Still. Why? I have no idea. Assuming they don't make any more moves. This team is incredible. <laughs> no, of course you're gonna say that. There, they are. They are. Open gap, you know. There's not really a top dog, right? It's not like yeah. the Atlantic. Right? Anyone in that metro could win the metro. It's wide open. This is insane. This? How many years is that deal? Seven. Wow. At seven point one. Yeah. When you said seven point one, I'm like, okay, maybe four years, maybe five. Years. That's overpayment. But seven is. How old is he? Like twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-six, maybe. To Winnipeg didn't really deliver. Let's face it. Fifty-five guy, fifty-five point guy. Like fuck that. <laughs> I'm not taking that shit. What's I don't like this. The market, what these free agents are gonna make now with that deal. Yeah. <clears throat> he's getting eleven. Yeah. He's getting twelve. <laughs> That's amazing. Anyways. That's amazing. Kaliev at fourteen. Philly team is all oh, crazy stupid, now. Stupid. Stupid. Wow. Yeah, Kaliev. I mean, what do you want me to say about him? I mean, he, when I read this thing about him, I just turned my head. The main concern with Kaliev is his compete level. Yeah. It's a legitimate concern, and there are others. But as one NHL scout said recently, you have to be careful not to write off players too soon. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, I don't like hearing things about your compete level. But then again, they've got a very good coach there in Arizona, a player's coach, who might be able to write the ship here. So... We'll see. I, I kind of like um, the... Uh, you know, it's, it's the right coach, and, and it might be a good fit. A smaller market, less attention from media in Arizona. This could be the right place for him. So we'll see what happens. I, I saw the shot. It's an impressive shot. I see the goal-scoring ability. Very impressive. Um, but again, he could drop. He could drop. Yeah, he could, yeah. Now, the reason why... and be like a Merkley, right? Yeah. There's a serious reason why I didn't take Krebs in this spot. Now, pick, imagine this, Nick, for a second. <clears throat> Arizona's done a decent job, I guess, drafting guys in the last couple of years. Now, do they don't really have a top a sniper, let's be honest. Keller's a playmaker. Uh, Hayton's going to be a playmaker. Those are your top two centers. Why would you want to add a Peyton Krebs who... Honestly, is a playmaker first. 
you you don't you you can't really I mean he would fit sure he would he would do his best to fit in wh whichever way he can but I think they're in need of that let's get a let's get a sniper let's get a guy who's going to just throw the puck into the net that's insane just rolling through the Philly depth chart now it's insane. after the moves of today the top three lines look star caliber star Hayes, Voracek, JVR. I forgot about JVR. I forgot about Ryan Hartman. Oh, this is insane. And then the D, Provolov and Sanheim, Gostas B. This is impressive. Um, yeah, I mean... The, the only concern I have is if this goaltender can hold up. I mean, if Carter Hart can... Can really elevate his game in only his second season. I think that's what, what's going to dictate this year. Um, you know, a guy like Neuverth will will give him some veteran support, but it, I really think this is going to come down to Carter Hart. I think it's very easy to say this team makes the playoffs given the wide open gap in, in the Metro that we just talked about. But uh, to me, this team looks solidified at the forward and the D position. It's gonna and they're just going to need some good goaltending here, and, and that's why it's going to ultimately fall onto Carter Hart. It's going to be a huge test for him. We'll see if he plays 60 games. Does he play 55? Does he play 50? Where does he fall into the, uh, you know, the goalie start chart there? But uh, yeah, once again, it, it'll be ultimately the season of, of Carter Hart. So, without further ado, we'll move on here. We're almost wrapping up our top 16. We move on to Kyle's beloved Montreal Canadiens. Uh, at number 15, it's it's going to be very interesting to see where they go here. Um, Kyle, I'm sure you have many thoughts on this. Montreal, Mark Bergevin steps up to the podium at 15. Who are you talk what are you talking about? I'm talking about the 15th pick. Okay. Montreal has 15, right? Yeah. So with the 15th pick... Mark Bergevin will step up to the podium. Sorry, Mark Bergevin will not step up to the podium. Uh, Timmins, Trevor Timmins will, mm. the head of amateur scouting, will step up to the podium, and he will make a selection. Who will he select with the 15th overall pick? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> Trevor Timmins, the Montreal Canadiens, would like to thank Vancouver for its hospitality. <laughs> oh. They select Peyton Krebs. Wow. Because he's still on the board. So the be the best available player methodology, Correct. not necessarily the team need. They will look at Krebs and go, I can't believe he's still there and we need to take him because we'd be stupid not to. Um, now Krebs, my, my comparable is that uh, Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly type. Uh, it's an unfortunate that the Achilles injury dropped him down on my board. But he would have been up there in the 7 to 10 range had he not gotten that injury. He's got character through the roof. This is a future captain type of player. Krebs does it all. The little thing, He does all the little things right and some of the big things too. He's a relentless Gallagher-like work ethic with speed and skill to boot. He's 5'11 but plays like he's 6'3". He's a creative playmaker with the ability to thread seam passes, saucer passes, and range passes. This guy can pretty well pass in any way you want. 
Uh, he had pretty disappointing numbers, but he was the only good player on by far the worst WHL team. So you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. Like he was a minus 50, but uh, at the same time, he's a great two-way player. It's because the team was so darn bad. He's dependable, but will but will not blow you away with any of his skills. Nothing's going to jump out at you with this guy. This is a guy you really want in the playoffs. You want him really bad because he'll do anything that it takes to win. Now, I think Montreal would prefer a defenseman in round one, but cannot pass up a chance on a guy like Krebs. Um, really interesting tidbit to note, which is very, very important, whether or not for Krebs, whatever. But uh, his team from Kootenay has moved over to Winnipeg. They're called the Winnipeg Ice now. Krebs will be playing with the best prospects since McDavid for the next year. Matthew Savoy has recently signed in, in, uh, for the Winnipeg Ice, uh, and he'll take him under his wing, so he should have a lot more success and will be exposed to some extreme talent uh, next year. So that's, uh, that's my hopeful, God-willing uh, Montreal pick there. Yeah, I'm pretty shocked. I mean, based on all the articles I read on The Athletic with the writers from Montreal, uh, it was all signs our defensemen. And it, and it yep. was that pack of Cider, Cam York, Harley. That's kind of where they were going to go with this pick. And so to me, hearing this is is kind of, you know, off off the reservation table, as Pierre Maguire would say for sure. Um, but then this again... This is not a fit then, for Montreal. Yeah, exactly. He might say that. He might say that. He might, he might, I can't wait. He might drop that line yet again. Watch him turn into the next O'Reilly. This is not a fit for Montreal. We'll see. Hey, listen, I have some insider knowledge saying that Montreal will select Lassie Thompson. Now, Nick, who's Lassie Thompson? Do you know? No. I have no idea. Finnish defenseman out of the OHL. Lassie Thompson will go 15 to Montreal. You heard it here first. But I got that from someone else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the if there's another position they need, it is it is at the center position. Uh, but again, very yeah. recently, we've seen with guys like Domi and Suzuki, yeah, slowly but they're starting to build around that center position. For so sure. I don't know if the need and the desperation is, is, is that high now. But he's a winger as well, though. I think, I think it's more desperate. You get a defenseman because... How can you pass on a character like this? You just signed Carl Alsner to the worst free agent contract in that entire free agent class. He's not even the NHL anymore. Nick, you you're looking defense. at a guy with Gallagher-like like work ethic, but much more skilled. Who, who's you want gonna character you on, like Who's going to help you on D? How are you going to make the playoffs this year? You want character like How this. How are you going to make the playoffs this year? You will your make defense. the playoffs with Josh Brook coming up. You'll make the playoffs with uh, Kale Fleury coming up. Uh, like obviously you want defense, but I'd like to see this kid. I want. Hey, Peyton Krebs has like, the the ability to go seventh overall. If he's at fifteen, you take him. I'd like this kid to go to a Canadian market, whether it's Vancouver at ten or Montreal at sixteen. I want this to happen. Um, and I hope it does. And I'd be happy if he goes to Montreal. I'll just be surprised. I'll I'll be. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just be surprised they're not addressing a team need at defense, especially when there's a plethora of, of, of choices there. This Harley kid is a stud. I want Harley. He's there. a stud. He's a stud. He's got character beyond the roof. Um, and just the way he plays, I'm a big fan. So 
I, I, I for one think Montreal might go with a guy like him, but, you know, prove me wrong. Montreal takes a defenseman unless Krebs or Newhook is sitting there. Right. Newhook's the other one I saw. either of those two guys, then they're taking Then they might him. take him, yeah. They have to. You can't let guys like that go. It's going to be 15, very interesting. At 15, you're hitting a home run times four at that if you're taking It's a tough part of the draft draft app for sure. Sure. Because there's so many variables in play and so many things that happen before you that you can't control. And yeah. that you have to, in, you'll have to, you, they must have like seven possibilities, right? Sure. Of what si- simulated potential things that can happen that will dictate their decision. Mm. So it's a very fascinating position to be drafting of, uh, at, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. So, yeah. It'd be Again, great. A hard and soul guy amazing... to Montreal would be great. Peyton Krebs to Montreal oh, would be great. Exactly. That's the thing. And you need character guys to play in a market like that. So, again, the, the draft is going to be high-octane, surprising, all over the board. This is going to be amazing. Uh, so, 16, Colorado, which is my, my final pick. Um, Colorado, considering they took Kirby Dock at number four, shore up that 2C, they can afford to take a swing on a polarizing guy. Vasily Podkolzin. Wow. Now, wow, you must be did, mad about did this Did you pick. expect Kyle to pick Hell Pod no. Colson. I thought he'd slide out of the 16 for you. No, exactly. Exactly. But there's a lot to like about about this guy. Nick, this guy's a Zach Hyman with more skill. He's like a Nick. I can skate. This guy can't skate. He can skate. Uh, no. He can skate. I've watched clips of him skating. When he skates, it's like he's lifting his feet into the air. Like, it's the most awkward skating. He's a relentless I've skater. seen in my life. It's so inefficient. The way he skates is so inefficient. He's a it's house league skater. Ska- it's house league skating. No, it's not. It's below NHL average skating. It's sad. Nick? There are few... This guy might be the slowest player in the draft. No, he's not slow. When it, when it comes from just being stationary to he's having to slow. skate, extremely slow. He's not slow. So This c- is not a good pick, Kyle. This is not a good look. TSN had the same pick. I disagree. I'll be shocked. Nick? I'll be shocked. You're, you're crazy, and I'll tell you why in a second. I, I'll, let me just read my blurb. <clears throat> Colorado can afford to take a swing on this guy because they already drafted at number four. Like I said, he's a polarizing guy. A future fan favorite for his work ethic. Yes. He's a relentless skater with a strong motor. He has shown he can be skilled, but usually defaults to a simpler game, partly explaining why he failed to produce any decent numbers in the MHL. Now, here's the thing. Don't don't start. He played at the world. His play at the World Juniors vaulted him into the top three prospects, where he outplayed Hughes and Cal- and Kako. This player, Nick, for the enti- for most of the year, he was a top ten player. Some of the year he was a top three player, and some people still have him in the top ten. His ceiling, I think, is about an 80-point workhorse. His floor is a guy who moves back to Russia and, and disappears. It's the ugliest skating form I've ever seen. It's this it big matter. big heel kick for some reason, and it's just awkward. I don't know. 
I uh, Nick Hughes he he outplayed Hughes and Kako. At well, the see, he, this was a guy who was going third overall for most of the season. For mo- exactly, there's got to be a reason for that, isn't there? Oh, look how ugly that is, Don. Look at that. There's tons of guys who have him going to Edmonton at eight. A heel kick, Kyle. You you val- You were making fun of Kotkaniemi for his skating. No. This is miles below Kotkaniemi. He's a relentless skater. He's he's a he's quote, a Zach Hyman quote, with skill. Everything about Pakolzin's game is a plus, if not a major plus, except for his skating, Big deal. which is mediocre at best, and I graded as below average. His stride has a technical flaw with a significant heel kick where he doesn't extend his legs out, but he's hunched over and his feet kick backwards. Sounds like a chicken skater to me. So you're ask, so you're telling me if he fixes that one problem with a fucking NHL skating coach that he would be a top like top 10 player. That's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like he's a surefire top we'll ten. This, if, this isn't, if he this fixes isn't a one t- problem, this isn't a team that's afraid to draft Russians or have Russians on their team. It, we've seen t- we've seen that with Big Z Zadorov. It's a we, team we've that seen can that afford with, to swing. We, we've seen that with Varlamov. They they've had Russians in the past. Maybe they'll own this guy. I just for me, I'd rather have Spencer Knight at sixteen. He's not going to be available. If he's available, I'm taking Spencer Knight. According to Pierre, he's, he's not gone. available. But if he's available, I'm taking Spencer Knight. Um. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So yeah, that's, that's an odd one. That's an odd one to finish this, no, this segment of yours. No, 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 no. Here's the thing: if if I listen to one team's personal podcast every single day, the most it's Colorado, and this is a very, and they'd be laughing if they got him. This is a very ideal situation for them. If they go Doc, who is the surefire two C, and then this guy, who could very well be. A, a legitimate top six guy, then they're laughing. Yeah. Absolutely laughing. Uh, All right. Uh, anything else? Any honorable mentions? Or, uh, I do I do like a guy named Philip Tomasino. Hmm. I think he would. he's going to go in the 17 to 20 range. Uh, Claude Giroux type, super skilled, uh, very raw skill without a lot of development. Um, Again, this this is a guy that could go to 16 to Colorado easily. This he's got pure skill, um, but again, flying right under the radar. He's like a Barrett Hayton type, who got buried in his lineup, didn't play top line minutes because there was good guys ahead of him. But uh, don't be fooled; he's going to be a great guy. All right, three sentence synopsis of Cam York. Go, Cam York, power play quarterback. I think he he can. I I see him as a Shattenkirk, to be honest. Like one dimensional, one dimensional, good offensive guy can run a power play, but don't ask him to do much else. Three sentence synopsis of Tommy Har- Thomas Harley. Thomas Harley, late birthday, which is really encouraging. Uh, he's like a Thomas Shabbat. Uh, people say he's a little bit easy to play against, but again, he was. I think he was born in like July. So consider him much younger than most of these other guys in the draft. And he's he's got sneaky good upside considering where he is. Big guy too. Quick synopsis of Bobby Brink. Uh, I know nothing about Bobby Brink. <laughs> okay. Nothing. I was looking forward to hearing about Bobby Brink. I read some interesting stuff about him. I just, I don't know, yeah. Late, late first rounder American. Don't expect me to do much research about him. All right, and finally, and this one you've been waiting for, 
Quick synopsis. I like this guy. A lot of people hate this guy. This guy looks exactly like Nick without shoulder pads. He is a fucking tall drink of water, this guy. He's six foot four, about 120 pounds. Now, he's not actually that weight, but if you see him like in an interview, he's tiny. This guy is thin as a stick. <laughs> now, what does that tell me? It, tell me? it tells me he's got a lot of room to build on that frame. Um, big guy, power forward. He's a possession mm. monster, beast. Uh, he fucking crazy goal scoring in the, in the, in the, 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 the Memorial Mooseheads. Cup. Yes, crazy. Uh, he got 20 goals in like 23 games. So this guy's legit. He's an older guy in the draft. Mind you, like he was only like a month or two away from being in the last draft. Keep that in mind. But um, if all pans out, he could be a very solid power forward. Some guy who you want him kind of mucking around in your corners so, and uh, holding on to the puck. Sounds like LA possession. I, I see him as like a Johansson with... Uh, a scoring Johansson on the wing. Yeah. Ryan Johansson. If I get him and Bowen Byram, I'm laughing. Yeah, he's a steal. Send him over to LA. I think he's a steal. You don't think Montreal takes him? Montreal can... <sighs> French-Canadian flair? I know he's I, taking him too high, but... I, I want them to French. take him. I really want that, but I, I everything I've heard says no. Says they like, don't. I want him to go to Pittsburgh. So they take a grubby American instead of... French Canadian boy mistake big might mistake. happen right very big mistake but you don't get 20 goals in 23 games in the playoffs and it's some sort of accident he's good it's impressive very good how did they do at the Memorial Cup lost in the finals mm. to Ryun Naranda <laughs> Noah Dobson and company mm. yeah I got I got the answers I wanted those are the last four names I wanted to throw your way not so much Bobby Brink but Fuck Bobby. I heard some interesting stuff about him. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, can't can't really say there's any other guys on this list. I kept looking for a guy with like a major character issue. Like, who's the character issue guy? Zagross. I'm telling you. No, the, this yeah, is the guy. I mean, I didn't find anything reading, but I'll take your word for it. Brett Leeson had an interesting story. Yes. He's been passed up in two drafts. He's like, how does 20. that work? I thought if you get passed up in a draft, like you're done. Like no, you can keep entering no, like, the draft. Uh, How's this work? Tanner Pearson missed a draft. How's this work? Can you like if you're 40 years old, can you just be in the entry draft? No. Why not? You you have to be uh under. You have to be 20 and under, like world junior age. So you can be eligible when you're 17, yeah. right? Get missed on? No. Like 18. You have to be 18 at the time of the start of the NHL season in order to be considered for the draft. So you get passed on at 18, passed on at 19, yeah. and then you're 20, and this is like your last shot. You have to start the season as a 19-year-old. Yeah. Which he just fits. Yes. So if he gets passed on this time, like it's done. But it's not then, happening. Then he could be signed as a free they're agent. All, they're all saying he's a first player. He, he could go as like a professional tryout free agent. Yeah, I was never a fan of the players on play in the World Juniors, but I like the perseverance story. I like the underdog tale. I like just the fact you're coming back after getting passed up on two times. You don't hear that often? And I just like the story. I believe he's a dud. I like the story. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a good story. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, with that, that, with that said, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here. Uh, again, 
As Pierre says, there's two most important parts of the NHL schedule. The day the cup is raised in the NHL draft. And that second date is coming up in three days' time. So, Oh, I'm fired. Until then, we will touch base with the audience after that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of surprises that will catch Kyle off guard. We'll have the reactions for you uh, at our next episode, which may very well be our last of the season. Still Ooh. still tinkering around with that idea. We, we definitely want to touch on the results of the draft as well as whatever shenanigans happen at free agency. But the way it's looking right now, a lot of that's already happening with the Carlson signing. So uh, until then, until the end of the draft, and until this free agency kind of shakes itself out, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed this edition, our inaugural 40th episode, a big one for us here at Rink Moose. And uh, until episode 41, this is Rink Moose signing off.